Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Jim Gray. Hey, hey. Talking about Gray. Jim Gray. Jim Jell. Gray Slide. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Believe in Skateboarding. Uh, this is your host, Jim Gray, and uh, we're going to start out with the same silly question every time. That's, I'm Jim Gray. Who the hell are you? Um, well, hell is a concept. Didn't John Lennon say that? Hi, my name is Spidey. Spidey. Spidey DeMontron, Rick DeMontron, Ricky Roger, Malky DeMontron, Spidey, however you find it so. That's... Well, well welcome. I've heard, I've heard them all used. Yes. I know you prefer Spidey. Um, it uh, works. It's a brand. Uh, uh, do you say Malky? Not Malky. Uh, my mother called me Malky. That's my middle name. It is a Hebrew name. And um, the first person outside of my mother to call me that was uh, my uh, my British girlfriend in the '90s when I was signed to Capitol Records. She didn't want to call me Spidey, so she started calling me Malky. Too common for her it was Malky. No, 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 no. Well, no, no. I'm Emily had a lot of style. Whatever the reason was, no, 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 no. She just didn't want to call me a nickname. She goes. Well, she looked at my license. I want to call you Malky. That's no, I go, I like whatever. Her. My mom calls well, me that. My well, grandmother you know, called me I that. I call Lester Gasai Joji. Well, that's his middle a, name is Lester Joji. Well, that's now, a that's a is... that's a thing of being friends for a long time, yeah. knowing him in a certain way. Well, that's his little circle of people. I, right. Joji, I remember so. Joji. Yeah, everybody had a name. So uh, you're a skateboarder. Sometimes I know. I agree. And you're a surfer. Uh, and you're a musician. There's. I'm, uh, I will say this. I'm a musician first. Surfing is my first love when it comes to sport. I saw surfing first, and then I tried surfing and skateboarding at the same time. And I started skating in 1974 in Cabrillo Beach, which is a little community inside of San Pedro. Um, And I tried surfing, but I didn't know that the board that I dragged to the beach was waterlogged. So I came back to surfing probably the middle of 1978. I had already been standing up on little Mori Boogie 360s and whatnot. But everything in skating to me was surfing related. As far as motion, a, motion movement? All of it. Just the, my whole thinking. Whether I was going down a hill, I'm dragging my hand, the whole thing. Very Jerry Lopez, very Rory Russell, you know. And what do you think, what do you think was, your, um, was your draw, the style or the feeling? It's both. I mean, you know, surfing's very beautiful. Skateboarding can be. You know, it depends on who you are. Well, and you do it more beautifully than most. Well, thanks. Who knew? Me. Well, I got... no, because you focus. I mean, I love it. You, car, you when you carve, you put I style into it. I've you... only done 
two Tuckney front setters. So that uh, Tom Grohlsen showed me a way to cheat in the middle eighties, where I grab up towards the wheel. Well, front. you and me both, baby, because I'm a stink bug to the. No, to, to the, the, the first <laughs> legitimate one I did uh, was at Rusty's Pool. You've been there, right? I haven't. That's one of the few I haven't been. Uh, you got to go. Yeah, I know. and I actually did it at Tile. A complete and Grasso was going, okay, do it. You and he's he's like, you never. I said, Jeff, come on, just please watch. And so, rad, you did a real one. It took a little time. Did a real one. So funny. No, like, because if I've, you haven't done it, it's... it's no, it's, I get it. There's a little bit it, of well, biomechanics there's, involved. There, and there's the whole... But there's the whole image of it. Like, it's cooler to be that. Well, okay. I went... When did I you, did six-foot frontside airs. A lot yeah, of people you didn't. Did. You know no, what I mean? But like, I, I don't do, think I ever could have if I tucked I could tuck do knee. sixers, but the thing yeah. was, I wanted to do tuck knee. Yeah. So... Well, no, that's uh, right. It's a very clear definition. Yeah, so when did you do your first frontside air? Uh, probably mid track uh, era, yeah. Probably Skatetopia or Concrete yeah, Wave, okay. a little bowl, you know, like something so, a little eight inch wide, skinny board. Yeah, I, and, you know. same. I did uh, it on a warp tail too with with mid tracks and P fives, Powerflex fives. Um, you know, yeah, maybe even a sidewalk quarter and, but, pipe. I can't remember. I, I, to be honest, for some, even when I was a kid, I just couldn't even like tuck me. So I was like, well, you know, I did a front set air and I entered contests. So if I could do an air, I'm more likely to win than not. But the first air I did was backside because backside, there's no blind spot, as you know. And which is strange because to this day I can still do frontside airs. But backside airs, I haven't done one for like a decade or more. Like I, and I feel weird at the thought of you reaching down and grabbing my board backside. <sighs> uh, let's see the last. Bet online is the fast and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B L E A V 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts last time i skated malibu was with lance and O. and lance watched me learn backside airs and i could do them three inches out on the oh, face while dude, that's that's okay I mean, but i i, I never and doing I, 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 I never attempted you know front side um i was happy when the lean air came out because then i could do a front side aerial without the aid of having to tuck me and it looked good yeah so, I didn't do a lot of lean airs, but yeah, it was a good it was fun just, trick when I did it. It was easy to, to, to get, you know, when you go off the coping, it just comes right into your hand. There's none of this whole, like, the, the my left side, because I'm goofy foot, has to wrap around this or do that. So lean airs, just, just look over the shoulder, because peripheral vision, whack, what kneel, what a nice... And the reason, that's really the reason I like to do stink bug, so to speak, is I like to boost hold only halfway and let go halfway and the, float back in but there's you know so many I mean? people like, that can do tuck knee like that yeah and I haven't seen a lot of Lester, early release tuck knee Lester you know, was really like, good yeah. Brad Bowman was really good I've seen Doug DeMontmorency do him uh, Ray Bones is really good at that and those are some of the most stylish humans you just listed right, right there on earth <laughs> <It's> just, like, <laughs> even, even uh, Dietz Dwayne could do him just, just you know uh, Lance was pretty good at it, you know? I guess I'll never be known for my style. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I don't care. I have fun. Uh, but you, I'll, I'll you put are. The, I'll put it in the words of Steve Keenan. Jim yeah. Gray is gnarly. <laughs> I love Steve Keenan. Steve Keenan uh, elevates me if I ever feel down. Like, he'll always come in and throw in a surprise. Like, oh, I know well, because, what, you, what I saw. And I'm like, <laughs> Right, because he was there just like I was there. Yeah. I was at the Gold Cup. I was yeah. at the Hester, you know, and I saw that. But if you're not there, you don't have that sort of impact. Well, and then, let's face it, you know, um, you know, skateboarding, music, you know, whatever. How you're perceived by people has to do with 
marketing connections, uh, advertising, yeah, and pictures also, in the also magazine. Also their own uh, um, biases and filters that they For, for sure, with. your connections. I'm never going to say he's rad because I'm on a different team and I'm friends with these guys. And yeah, yeah that's all. it all factors in. So uh, he always makes me feel good. Like, like, hey, I mean, someone did notice, you know. Yeah, so no. he's, he's definitely got a strong opinion about stuff, which is good. You know where he stands. <laughs> Love that. Never had a problem with yeah, no. I like people who are strong. You're, you're a strong opinion guy too, whatever. Like, I'm a pretty strong opinion guy. I don't like people. I I'd rather someone out. who's willing to die for their opinion that has one than someone who's like, oh, I just kind of whatever, man. You know, like, I, that's just not my style. Right. Well, I mean, you know, if I'm getting paid for my opinion, I'll give it out. Otherwise, I just keep it to myself. There's no <laughs> point in it. It doesn't really, it's not going to change someone's economic Well, no, you're line. not going to fight for someone for it, but you have your opinions about things. Well, we talk, you know, we've been friends for That's years. That's different. We talk well, about it's between us. It's no, not between No, okay, I agree. You. I know you're saying not a public. There's a public opinion. I don't care. Yeah. Um, I'm not running for office. I don't care. Not this week. Yeah, no, me, God, me never. No. no. I, I call running for office doing the impossible for the ungrateful. That's uh, that's my general well, thing. Uh, like, a personal friend of mine that's now passed on, he was graduate of USC, was a doctor, and he was my friend's father. And he got on the city council in Huntington Beach. Yeah. And so I'd see him every now and then while I was going to college. And I'd say, hey, Dr. Rangel, how's it going? He goes, I go, he seems so sad. He goes, everybody's so greedy and they're just so, like, they, they really don't want to help people. And I thought maybe I could make a change at a, at a, at a civic level. He, he was disappointed. I'll put it to you that yeah, way. I, he I, seemed very sad about it. And he, after he finished his term, he's like, never do it again. He was swore off. Well, and that's why I, that's why I literally personally came up with that term, doing the impossible for the ungrateful. Cause well, I, yeah. I went through so much, so many city council meetings, parks and rec meetings, just to get our skate park built in Costa Mesa. And I learned Which is an a achievement in more. itself. Yeah, it is. But it was a lot of work. And it's, it's a lot, a lot of, of And it's a lot of time meeting of city time. council people, going yeah. to city council meetings, watching the procedures, Watching BS go down, watching people come in and throw curveballs at them, oh, yeah. watching you know, and you're like, oh my god! I mean, like to, just to get a, a tree put in or a curb painted, right. someone's always out there trying to throw a curveball at you. Can you imagine like, you know, at a federal level? Oh no! And that's why I think a lot of people, when people say like they didn't do this for us or they didn't do that, like as if government literally just thinks about each one person and sets out to make their life miserable. No, there's all sorts of agendas. There's all sorts oh, yeah. of things that people are off on tangents. But there's also damn lot of hoops to jump through well, to ever get anything as done. Bob Pribble said, he yeah. says, remember those parties you used to take me to in Hollywood and L.A.? I said, oh, yeah. He goes, imagine that with billions of dollars on the table. Yeah. He says it's like like a bloodbath. Well, well, you know, he worked at the Federal Reserve, and he was an executive assistant to Alan Greenspan, and he was a lobbyist and some other things. And he wanted to do that stuff, even when I met him skating. You know, he's very clear about that. He was a poli sci econ major. We talked about it. Well, it's a game. If you can stomach it, it, it's just a job. It's another thing to do. It's a testament to his mental fortitude that he can still be engaging and funny and yet work in that world yeah maybe that's maybe that's the way he stays sane skateboarding probably helps him in the sanity level it did because I'd call him this is like ages ago when he was doing it I go where are you going eh, I'm going to vert session oh yeah you're not going to play golf or tennis he goes dude when I leave I leave those people behind Yeah, and I go I skate with my friends well, I don't want to see them well I admire that because then I mean, I was I've, like, I've worked I in the mortgage it. business I've worked in other things yeah. Before I really got into the skateboard business, and um, you know, and then I, I got my real estate license when I was eighteen. I understood the whole idea of doing all that stuff, yeah. and I never thought it's anything. It's that difficult. It's just, but it's hard to stomach as being your well, life. I, I like I couldn't that, just I, I talk that about that day in and day out. Life. 
it, yeah. it, it added what you said, sanity to his life. That that was my takeaway from it. Yeah. So the glory years of skateboarding. What do you what do you say were your glory years of skateboarding? Late late seventies through early eighties. I mean, that's just <laughs> what does that mean? Glory. Well, years? I mean, the day when you just really just lived for it, loved like skate okay, parks, so, just like you had ramps in your backyard. Okay. So you know? when I lived for it is when I started skating seventy four. Definitely um, seventy five. It took hold. And then through 75 until I left, probably, what was the end of 88, beginning of 89, around there. And then I just left. Yeah, what often did you think? Mostly music, right? What's that? Mostly music. That's when you left it to focus on the um, music? Well, I was, even when I was skating, I was a musician. I started well, taking guitar lessons at the end of, yeah. about mid-end 74. I was an odd kid in, in the regards that I was really into music since I was born. My mom used to sing opera. Semi-professionally, my dad was a great singer. I had tons of music in the house. I grew up in Los Angeles, so I wasn't in the, in the boonies. And so what I mean by that is that I was in a media town. So any new record, it's on television. It's being pumped out of speakers outside of uh, retail outlets. The new, you know, Cool in the Gang, whatever it is, Earth, Wind & Fire, Led Zeppelin. I mean, it used to be an event when musical acts used to come to town. I remember yeah. Elton John playing Dodger Stadium in 1974, and you could hear the cheers coming from there, yeah. living in Los Angeles, like, yeah, you my know, brother worked all a, those Anaheim Stadium oh big God. concerts, and it was like, you know it was an event. Uh, to take a sidebar here, I once was friends with a guy named Richard Creamer. Richard Creamer was a head photographer of Cream Magazine. I met him after skating, and uh, he had all these incredible photos of David Bowie, like a Santa Monica Civic when he was Ziggy, and Rod Stewart, and you know, in the height of his rock and roll post faces. And I'm all, Richard, what do you think happened? He goes. Uh, you know, home entertainment centers. People people just don't go out. It used to be an event. People just go out to dinner and then go to the big concert, you know, because Zeppelin's coming to town or whatever it was, Sticks, it didn't matter. Barbara Streisand, it was an event. Mm-hmm. People dressed up. They looked great, you know. And now it's just not as much as an event because people, this is like, say, 89, 90, he said this. Yeah. But it's just, that's just. And this is be, before a cell phone was actually yeah. in somebody's But it makes hand. sense as far as cycles go. It makes because sense. Because now look at movies on Netflix and well, theaters. He, he, not and he was pointing to the VHS. Yeah, the thing like people are holding like up. Papa you know? said, "Yeah, and that's like it. You know, I don't want to go to the movies. I don't want to dress up and go out. You know, and it, but he he basically said that it used to be an event, and now it's not. <clears throat> excuse me, so much of an event. And I thought that was so poignant. Even then, I was like, huh. So that's when people use the term rock star. I go. I also asked him this. I go. So the idea of the rock star. He goes, well, you know, really, <clears throat> he says Elvis first, and then after that, the '60s come, and really at the end of the '70s, it died." 70s was the era of the rock star. You know, you had the jet planes, you know, the the, the lavish everything, destroying yeah. hotels. and <clears throat> So now people... Just like skateboarding, we didn't destroy so, hotels so, after the 80s too much. <laughs> so pe- people are living off these, uh, you know, stories and mythology that maybe yeah. or might have happened or sort of happened or actually did happen. And then it's done, you know, it's a different it's a different world we live in. And he was telling me this, and I go, yeah, I saw something in that, you know, that he was saying. No, it all makes sense. Like I said, if you just, you comparatively watch it watch you know um, VHS make people stop and then watch it the cassette they get replaced by the CDs and then you watch oh, yeah. online replacing DVDs, and so DVDs replacing yeah. and so on and so forth yeah DVDs and uh, okay, I remember once you know in going to uh, where was it Illinois to Art Harris who owned AWH sales out there and, and he put his laser disc his oh yeah that was, that laser disc, disc. Had the and we laser were like disc. oh my god what <coughs> is Blu-ray this Blu-ray technology like, you know 
Oh, it was hilarious. It was so... So, glory years. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, sorry. Right. Well, no, I, I get that. So, what, what, and I know you were a musician the whole time, and, I, mm. and ironically, I mean, our friend Klaus Grabke, did you, did you not teach him how to play guitar? He claims I did. Um, yeah. When I stayed with Klaus in 84 at his home, I, um, we'd be in the attic. Uh, I guess that was kind of his room space. Yeah. He was, um, it's so ironic because, his, as you know, his brother... Was a I was a rock musician. star when I was yeah. there yeah. in Europe. Yeah, and he's and he's very well adept. And he, me, and his brother jammed and got on well. You know, I went to a couple sessions with him and Klaus. He goes, "Oh, do you want to come?" You know, it's like really okay, fine. So I'd sit up at night with Klaus, and I and I just teach him basic chords. I would teach him song structure. I said, "Look, the the best way to do things is to like learn a song you like." So that way, it's not like you have these pieces of information that aren't connected and make no sense. Does that make sense? So I, I gave, yeah, whatever I we were doing, it had context. Because I remember having guitar lessons. And then, okay, so I'm learning everything in the key of C, meaning scales or chords. And great, I know this stuff. But if someone goes, play me something. Well, guess what? I can play them this... Uh, just scales and chords, but it really has no melodicism. It has no context, essentially, is what I'm saying. So um, that's kind of, we would just sit up at night and I'd play a song and I'd show him bits and parts. And, you know, he, he's, as you know, he's very bright and clever. Oh, no, and apparently, I mean, he was very musical even then. And I know he claims that, but, you know, well, I, mean, I, think, yeah. I, I mean, I showed him what I say that. I'm just bringing it up. He's my friend. No, he, and, yeah. He's my uh, friend, too. And ironically, with the show, even this show, the entry song is Klaus. Yeah. Literally had nothing to do with the show. Two years before the show, I ever sure, decided to do his podcast. He just sat in my thing. I pulled my video camera out and right. he made up a song. Mm. You know, and for some of you guys that listen, if you've ever seen my little promos for my podcast, I always put like five to ten second little intros that are off five minutes worth of recording Spidey yeah. and I did here where he just made different little intro things and I always go through it and pick something off the list so right. uh, all my friends are part of part of the, part podcast. Of the podcast and then Ron Allen made it and heard the other ones and goes I want to do something and he made oh, an yeah. outro song which was rad yeah. so I mean, I'm super stoked about that myself Yeah, uh, uh, that it was all very organic and not like that's all, good. all contrived like right. let's, no, let's script something out yeah. so yeah. and, and to, while we talk about teaching people you have Tried to show me some uh, guitar, and I am—I don't know if I'm stupid, uncoordinated, or tone deaf, but I—it's I, hard for me to actually hear the difference between the chords, even, and I don't know Oof. if that's not my training or my understanding, well, or like I said, you know, um, I, don't know. I don't know. I mean, what I do know is this: if you have the desire to, you can do it. Well, yeah. it, it, it just takes. I've never probably had enough time to do, to just focus on that. And just it, focus like Winter Marcellus says, two or three minutes a day is better than I'll practice for an hour and not practice for a week. So when I, I uh, when I went to university to study to study music formally because I could already play and I knew a lot. I just didn't know what I knew and I had holes in my knowledge and I still do because I had about two and a half years of formal training and I'm always learning. But um, you know there was a, a practice sheet that was given out and there was a quote from Winton Marseille saying, you know, better to do 10 minutes a day in the same spot, the same thing, you know, so routine, right? So, and he's right, it works. But, you know, you have to, you have to. And what, you, do you, you gotta, play other instruments? I've seen you play guitars, many different guitars. Yeah, I play the guitar. 12 string, 6 string, I've seen you play the piano. Right, I play um, the piano um, in a very cursory manner. Um, I'd have to put some more time into it to get my chops back to where they were in college. But I played enough to where I use it as a tool for songwriting. 
that makes any sense to uh -huh. yeah. people so out there. You, so, you um, and play it knowing you'll get somebody better if you write a song to do the finished so, version of it. Like sometimes, you know, yeah. yeah. I, on on my album that's coming out August twentieth, I ended up actually playing piano, and I had my friends who were really great session guys and stuff like that in L.A. That's where, like my music community is. Um, you know, they're listening to it and they go, "You don't need me." I go, "Come on, come on, come on." He goes, "No, I, I mean it sounds great, really." He says, look, you don't need it to be more complicated. So what you learn is it's not how good you are, it's the right part, the right touch, the right feel. It's not like, oh, this guy's great, because I had that experience when I was at Capitol. Okay, the guy comes in, and he's great. Sure, he played with Quincy Jones. He's done a lot of work with George Duke, who's a jazz guy, a very well-known jazz artist. Um, but he was too busy. So it was the wrong guy. So I called a friend of mine who's sort of like a, a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none musician, but he's really good. So I call him and say, hey, I need you to cut a track for me, piano. And so we had him in there, and I told him what I wanted. Uh, sometimes in the music business, they call it footballs, meaning it's half notes. I told him to feel. And he, I gave him a lead sheet. He looked at it. He goes, okay, yeah, roll. Two takes, we were done. Because he had the right touch. He had the right feel. Did he play with George Duke? Did he play with Quincy Jones? I know that sounds impressive. No, he's done work around town. He wasn't super famous, but he had the right feel and the right touch. So he's the right guy for... That situation. For the sound that you wanted. Yeah, for the, for the it's yeah. it's very contextual. So this other guy had great chops. So I know you love, right I know you love the studio you recorded. What's the name of the studio? Uh, the Compound Studio in Long Beach. Okay, all right, and you and then you recorded for six months. What was that? I mean, God, I don't know. I don't. Know. I'm trying to remember when I know you started, and I know. I don't know. For a while. Um, I wouldn't say six months. Um, well, not every day, but I'm saying just from no, when you started. No, I was I was on like, a uh, pretty regular schedule. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of what they call pre-production. So there was the writing of the songs. I have the songs, and I re I rehearse myself. Let's say for a month, so three times a week for a month or more, and then I get together with my musical director and bass player Bart Brodnax, who I've been with since '97, and then he and I rehearse for at least a month regularly, like twice a week, and then um, you know then my, then I bring the drummer in. That's how that works. And so let's talk about this album because this is, this is a new album that you you just produced yourself, right? You were. You uh, I had a little. I had a little. I mean, I'm. I am the producer. I, I give co-producer credit to the drummer and the owner of the studio, Antoine Orvisu from the Compound Studio. So he and I worked together, but um, let's just say that the resting decision lays with me. Yeah. Cause, and uh, the album's called Synonymity. Yes. Well, you're the yeah. first person that's ever said it right, um, besides O. Well, now, <laughs> so I'll say I said it right, but what does it mean? Um, it's having multiple meanings in uh, duality. Okay. And, and then the, the the name that you call of your group, it's per group. se, is the yeah. Gentle Orchestra. You're right. Yeah. I've, uh, I've, where did that come from? What was that it? was a mistake. I was watching an Italian film, and it was subtitled, and I thought it said the gentle orchestra. What it said was gentle orchestration. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I looked on my phone, you know, did a name search. No one had it. And I go, oh, I'm taking it. Yeah. I, I didn't have a name. So it just hit you, basically, and you liked how it sounded. Oh, yeah. Which like is awesome. I love, I love organic. So, so it just sort of happened. Sure. It was like a happy mistake. Yeah. And um, So I looked up the name, and I, I plucked it. And then when O started to get involved in the recording process with me, he goes, do you have a name? I said, oh, yeah, I have a band name. I'm so happy. I don't want to be Spidey anymore. <laughs> I 
And he goes, what is it? And he goes, oh, it's such a great name. Does anybody have it? He goes, no. Oh, he scored. I go, yeah. So I became that. That's how that happened. I just, uh, like I said, I, it was a happy mistake because I misread something. That's cool. And the and the, the album will be, I mean, you gave me a copy today. <laughs> yeah, you have an advanced like, uh, CD. So, so uh, the, the single's out right now. It's on I all platforms. And... Listen to it this morning, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, single's out. Uh, the album will be out August 20th. I do have vinyl. Um, there's there'll be some like what limited edition vinyls you'll limited release. edition vinyl. Five hundred pressings. Out of that five hundred, there's a hundred yellow. Of course, you know a few people said, "Oh, I want yellow." I want, you know, so yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's good. So the the, the actual and then it'll be on all the platforms. Spotify yeah, it's, it's August twentieth. Every platform. Now, how much work is that to, to set it up so that you can get your thing on Spotify? When now. Because let's talk for the layman out here who's listening. He doesn't really understand it. Like, how do you go and say, do you have to apply to Spotify? Do you fill out paperwork forms? Do you have to, like, just, it's just like a process to go through to... It's actually, it requires a little patience, but it's very easy. Yeah. And so this is how it works. There are two, I'll, I'll just talk about two uh, distribution systems at work. There's DistroKid and there's CD Baby. And, you know, people have different preferences around that i uh asked some of my friends in the business which one everybody said cd baby takes longer but it's better because if you leave distro kid your work isn't up there so if i was to leave say cd baby my work is still available so let's talk about before we go too much further what is the what do they physically do why are there only two and well no there's more but those are are the the best ones bmi and the are they no 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 those are those are those are performance rights in royalty collection agencies. So I belong to ASCAP. Okay. And there's BMI. Okay. There's CSAC. I don't do too much. Yeah, they're the that. ones who track and make sure you get paid. Oh, or yeah. And now there's other, of course, digital okay. tracking. Yeah. There's like a... Okay. So that's what I think of when you talk about those. No, no, no. Those so, are performance so rights them. organizations, what they call PROs, pros, performance right organizations. They have legal resources. Like I've gotten royalty checks. Okay, they um, help you legitimize your protection of the, of the, can. Of the copyrights and such. Is no, that, I I no. filed for my own copyright. Is that I, through through Joe? Or do we do? Um, some? he helped a little bit. Yeah. I did I yeah. did all the legwork, okay. meaning yeah. I was on the government site, which is very slow. Uh-huh. USPTO.org. So, dot org. Yeah, and, I yeah. used to um maybe I I used to fill out the forms by hand, and I okay. I was a, I was an ace at it. Uh, there was just a few questions online. The rest of it, I handled myself. I called them uh, maybe a few times, but you know, I paid for each. I, I paid for to copyright my uh, IP on my writing and to copyright the sound recording. So there's, there's a there's an SR sound recording and there's a PA one. So I, I did both, and I think they were like sixty bucks each. Yeah. And um, there's so a few it's more procedural than it is. It's, it's not like it a just mountain takes to climb over. It just, you can do it. It yeah. just takes patience to yeah. do the copyright, which is right. different. That has nothing to do with ASCAP. They don't copyright your right, stuff. So back to these two companies you're talking about. And what, Distro what Kid they and CDB. What, what they do is in the digital world, there's different levels to which you can pay for. I paid for a professional level release, which means I can choose all the platforms. And bam, it goes out to everyone all at once. Distributed digitally. CD Baby, much like DistroKid, also offers physical distribution. So they asked that I send five vinyl records to them so they could have that as well. Okay, and if you have CDs or cassettes, you can do that too. But what it does, it's almost like one-stop shopping. Uh, because I paid, I think it's 70 bucks. 
So you create a release date. Usually with a release date, you want it to at least be three months out, right? Because there's a delivery period to these vendors like Apple Music and all that. They have to get it and then they approve of it and see that you're not burning anybody. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, there's the artwork oh, yeah. and all that, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then you'll, you'll get notifications that this has all happened in your release date. So you pay basically uh, a fee for that and you get that. So that's part of why you're releasing it later this month because it's set to those people you're waiting for all their approvals. So it's all I got up. all their approvals. Yeah. I did I so, did it ahead of schedule. Yeah. yeah. But there's other things you want to do too. You want to be able to create links. Like I have Linktree which is easy. That's a, it's hooked into my Facebook and Instagram account that's also hooked into my YouTube channel. And you know Pandora and all that. It gets to Spotify and it's it's just a lot of data entry and uploading of images really in links. Yeah. And I do have a music video, which is the music video for the single that's yeah, out. I saw it. Yeah. yeah, that was a lot of work. Um, I've watched it on big screen. I saw it on my phone. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Big screen, it actually works. Yeah. We, we weren't sure about that because a lot of the footage is public domain. And we weren't sure that it would, the pixelation, because like it's too, all... Too low res or something? Or... Yeah, but I worked with a guy who was from the gaming industry who did... Help me do the rendering. Yep. And I did all the heavy lifting as far as um, finding the right people to help me. And then the script is basically the lyrics. And then once I found sources, I had to narrow it down to time codes, which, is, as you could imagine, is time consuming because I had probably 45 or 46 lines of, of footage that I had to whoop down to. And then once we got in the process of rendering, it was like basically like editing and directing, really. And there was a few other things. The motion graphic thing um, took a minute to find the right person because the bouncing ball is not something people do, and it's a very antiquated thing. You know, that's, you know, it's pre-sound, so people used to love doing that. They'd go to the movie theater and take me out to the ball game, ding, 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 and then, you know, some contemporary people think, oh, that's what they did at Shakey's Pizza, but actually it's something for, you know, pre-sound in cinema, what they call talkies. So I like a little retro vibe. It's, well, it's always... it, it seemed to work. Um, a, a, a friend of mine that I surf with in Encinitas, she's a very clever uh, person, and she's the one who said, oh, you know what, because of the tempo of the song, that would be cool if you had the lyrics of the bouncing ball. So that really set the creative template for me to seek out that footage that I did. Good. Yeah. And when I, so before, when I go to post this I'll put uh, I'll probably swipe a little clip from it and put it in your little promo thing uh, that's great so people get to see what it is and, yeah. and, and guide them out there to, yeah, yeah, to search over there. so what so when you do a record in uh-huh. today's world if it's all digital everything uh-huh. um, I mean I know I talked to Klaus a lot about him and the, the boys and picture books you know, they sure. do finals they do stuff but I mean uh-huh. it's such a different game anymore to actually make it uh, be a monetary return you know um, you know does that take millions and millions of listens is that the only way to, to make money there's off so music, many it... different ways to go yeah. um there's ways you can get uh you know the streaming thing is very deceptive um you know jeff uh, aim it right yeah pearl yeah, yeah pearl jam jeff, so those yeah. guys play arenas and you yeah. know he'll joke like oh i got this many streams and i got a check for x which yeah like i got 10 bucks for a million three like, no yeah, like I like, like, it, like if you're getting like two million streams and you get a check for three thousand dollars now that isn't always the case <clears throat> there's several ways to do it. There's, if you look at multiple income streams, that's one way. I've watched a lot of tutorials where 
some people actually make money from streaming. Yeah, sure. Still yeah. learning. In this case, I hear lots of mixed things about it. I wonder. Um, I well, hear that most you, people like that make their money touring these days. That's when they make their touring money. Touring is, is a great way to make money. Um, yeah. Licensing. Yeah. Is you can oh, for like movies or television or commercials. So, let, yeah. so let's say my single sells two million, like on iTunes, right? Let's. Yeah. And that's a straight payment, right? Because if someone buys, if they on, buy it, I've, yeah. I've, Explain. Yeah. I've got a single for 99 cents, and okay. it's, I sold 2 million units. You're a yeah. math guy. Yeah. Now, iTunes takes their cut. Remember, they're just a platform. They're nothing else. And this is where the record company dropped the ball. They get 30% off the top. It doesn't yeah. matter if you're the Beatles or Bowie. For sure. They get oh, 30%. that's the most brilliant thing ever. It's such highway just, robbery. Oh, it is highway robbery because the, the, the effort it takes to be done is so little on their half. That, it uh, is. And then, yeah. you know, the record companies were weak. They didn't stand up to them going, you know, F you, I don't need you. But anyway, so it happened. Um, so let's say I sell, I'm selling 2 million copies of my single. That's a good payday. Yeah. I get 70% of that. Not bad, but I guess do any anything less than like super major known artists sell two million? You never know. Anymore. You never because, know because Look, don't most people stream even on iTunes? Pay they do, for but iTunes. you can still you can still make money selling. Yeah. You can make money streaming. You can make money through licensing. Yeah, but I guess ultimately you're doing it all because you love playing music. Oh, I want to make right? money. Yeah, it was like skateboarding. I you know I had a lot of friends who go. Oh, I just love skating. That's good. So when so and so has a new Rolex and he's doing blow and he's driving a Mercedes, the nouveau riche fool with his, uh, you know, his mullet cut, you're gonna love skating still because guess what? He just snorted up your paycheck. Oh yeah, no. Or he bought a yacht. Yeah. That's sitting in a slip. You know. So, um, I do love skating, but you know, it's like the Sex Pistols say, I don't know about that, but I want to make a load of fucking money. So. Yeah, I did it because I enjoy the craft. I do it, and it's something I do. But at the same time, it has a value. So yes, I For want sure. to make money. Or if well, I, why would I do? I, I don't. I don't do it so people like me. You know, that's um, for sure. No, a lot of people. I mean, I don't know you personally. I realize that you, you're, um, you know, you're you. You don't. You're not really too worried about what people think, uh, and I admire that to a great extent. I mean, I'm not. A lot of I'm not are, down on other people. No, no, but you're, but you're not hungering people's attention. You don't care. You know, you get a little bit of it. But I mean, I, I've seen you long enough to realize that you're not. You don't thrive on other people's attention. Um, what is what I find satisfying is, uh, like personal best job well done exceeded my own personal expectations whether it's a product we made together or a project or board graphic it's sort of like you nailed the trick and you did it great right remember those moments yeah for sure how satisfying is that outside of anybody your your bros or people no i'm actually going through this workbook um with beth and we're you know it's a thing it's a relationship kind of thing but it talks about what makes you really happy and and lots of things i wrote but amongst it was like Sometimes skateboarding when you just have that perfect run. And it wasn't oh, God, about a contest, yeah. wasn't about who was watching, it was that just that time when you felt like, Oh my god, I flowed so good and the, just everything felt awesome and you rolled out and you're just like it was happiness. It was true yeah, happiness no, God, from yeah. Uh, from Oh yeah. Yeah. I've had I've had runs where I, I did great and I didn't do good in the concert. Everybody yeah. was your friends are mad, I go and I wasn't mad because like, I was happy. Oh, I did. Yeah, I made that thing I didn't expect I to. I pulled it, it man, off. But you know, you know it's, totally. it's it's sometimes it's a it's a horseshoe toss, you know. Or I did good, and I thought I personally skated okay, but I did better than what I thought my skating was. And you know, those things happened. Well, obviously, I think you know um, you probably clearly understand. I think you're a talented musician. Oh, thanks. Uh, you have 
I've shared many videos here over the years when you're just hanging out with me playing guitar on the stairs. Uh, <laughs> well, no, because to me, that's the purest form of it all. You know what I mean? Like even when you're playing cover songs for other bands where, and you're sitting on the stairs there and I have uh, I have lots of footage of you. Just one we did our jingles one day. That oh, the that. jingles so thing is different. This cracks me up because it was just... That was uh, funny, yeah. Um, no, but it takes a lot of talent for me to throw out a random name and for you to change from country western jingle yeah. and make it work to... You know, m- melodic, you know, whatever, my love mom, song. You my know, mother used uh, to call it emotional intellectual acuity. Yeah. She well, it is, or agility, it is. you know what I mean? You're absolutely, uh, we're changing on the dime, and that's uh, that's very impressive to me. So, you know, it's, yeah. sort of, it's sort of a workmanship kind of thing. Like, I felt like if I'm getting into the business, you know, I, I wanted to be able to, there, I mean, there's certain areas like I could probably fake it, but I couldn't play guitar solos. I could write the songs like metal. My friends are really good at that. But, you know, I had friends who just worked, and that's all they did. They made jingles, like, eight hours a day. And when they get home, they don't touch any instrumentation. Well, they, I, they don't do any of their pro- Well, it's funny, because I love taking photographs. Love taking photographs. But you don't want to do it for a living. Exactly. Someone will say, why don't you do that now? <laughs> it's like people go, who are great at cooking and don't want to own a restaurant. Not care. I just like that I look at something visually, and I go... I really like that angle yeah. and like stop right now yeah. and I've taken a million photos of you. I just do of all my friends. They pull out half the time they get annoyed. Like, God, really? Get your fucking camera out again. I know. It's, um, it's Jim Arazzi. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> no, and, I, and I do. And it's like, but I have a lot of really good pictures. Mostly, they're just for the people who I took them of end up being like good because you know, it's like the rest of the world doesn't really care. And some of them know that well. They see a picture. It's a decent picture. I mean, like, you know, but I love, I love lighting. I love angles. I love, you know. In a different breath, it's, it reminds me of uh, Eric Nash used to annoy the pants off of like Keen and some other people because he'd want to duplicate their VHS tapes from like the Big O or the Hester and or whatever the Gold Cups. Come on, get and, you know he had a setup at home where he could duplicate it. Yeah. Well, if it wasn't for Eric Nash, there's that whole the Nash archives that got digitized because Nash, Everyone else not knowing that in the future that would become gold. Yeah. And there's the people like I hear about, I'm sure you're familiar with Ray Allen, where he's just sitting on all that I've stuff. I've tried to buy the stuff from him or try uh, to partner with him. So it's like, oh, let's make sure this never gets lost. Let me uh, let me give you some money so I can store store no it kidding. so it'll never get lost. I go, I will make sure it's always kept in the warehouse, safe, not right, too hot. Uh, I go, we'll digitize it and yes. and you know, and we'll we'll you know yes. we'll, we'll find a way to share in making it into something. But you know, I always understand the same point. He was out there. I love when I look at an old picture of me at yeah. the Gold Cup series. And I see you Ray see standing Ray in saying, the yeah. in the you know the drop in or like that with, with his big camera with cords yeah, attached the, and you know, the, it's like in the glasses. Uh, but the reality is the difficulty to monetize that is just. It's, it's, a, tough. it's a tough one. It's a tough yeah. one. The, and clip, then, the clips have value, little insets here and there. I'm sure some TVs, some motion, some historical type stuff. Yeah. But there's not going to be... Also you're not going to write I, a story about the Gold Cup series and sell 10 million copies of it. No, you know? and then I don't know if Ray, during that time with his... I remember seeing the Ray Allen show a few times. If he had everybody who participated in it, whether voluntary or involuntary... Uh, sign release forms because you know that's the biggest problem well, well you know what someone else I think I think actually it was you that told me when we, we played some of the clips I got from him um, and you said the biggest problem you have is that all that music being played in the background someone oh, well, that, 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 the, and they were at those contests they were blasting you know, the you know, buzz mainstream rock and roll and whatever yeah, like yeah, that yeah, if you yeah, want yeah. to play it in its original form you got to go back now and pay someone well those are, that's, you know. that, those are licensings but yeah. uh, you know you have to license the music the second one is let's Forget the licensing potential jungle that you have to go through. 
It's the release forms of all the participants that were in the contest. Yeah. Because when I worked in film and TV, like, let's say we're doing a shoot outside. There's a big sign that says, well, if you're in this area, you give consent to be filmed and you will For not sure. be compensated. That's the lame. I was in all those contests. And if I didn't want it to be out and I didn't sign anything, right. I know what you're saying. I get what you're saying. So... Um, Again, skateboarders tend, don't tend to be those people who are going to shut you down for that. So I'm sure you could get past most of that. But uh, there might be one but, person who's smart uh, enough. No, I was that person, yeah, but you yeah. know, I knew there was no money in it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess personally, I just hate that. Like, I got third in the Gold Cup at Big O, my local park. And he's and sitting I remember, on the footage. I've never seen it. <laughs> never. I've never watched my. I've never watched my run. You know, oh, all I know is I can remember seeing <clears throat> Kathy saying, I was standing back by the clover pool. I saw you go over everyone's head. You know, like, yeah. I, mean, I know I did not my best I ever yeah. probably did. Steve and I've never seen it. You know what I mean? And I, and I, uh, huh? and yes, I have, uh, and I, ironically, it's the trophy I don't have either. I have an Oasis one. What? I got, I got one at Upland. I have my trophy. And yeah, I have my yeah. trophy at Oasis. I don't have the one you from Big O. That's the one where I got the best. So I Where's your trophy? Um, I have no idea. Then they have a little board plaques, and I have I have yeah, two. I, I, have a, I have a gold cup, fifth at Oasis, and a fourth at or no fourth at Oasis and fifth at Upland. But I, I have my my gold my local park. I've never skated the highest Oasis. one I got. I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I don't know uh, what the trophy is. So wow. how'd you do overall? Uh, I got eighth, which oh. means I probably screwed up at whatever the other ones. Oh, one or, of the or the other ones, Ray Del Rey and Colton. Is that the other two? Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't. Obviously, didn't clearly didn't place in those, but yeah, I got eighth overall. It's okay. You know, yeah, it's the golden era of skateboarding. It's one of them. Uh, it was. It was still, I mean, honestly, God, skateboarding is still a golden era. I mean, skateboarding I, just never. Ceases I don't know. To I just, me. I just, I, you know, it moves on and on, just like anything else. I, like I said, I checked out. So, and, well, I'm proud. I, 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 I never I, kept up like you guys. You know what I mean? Well, I was involved always in the industry at some point, but oh, I also yeah. was always. Oh, I had to suck up a lot of frustration because I saw a lot of manipulation. I saw a lot of stuff that was. Twisted. Uh, yeah. I mean, it even happened back in our I mean, day. You know, I, I here's yeah. what I say. I say it could be total bullshit. But I go back in the days when we were the sponsor kids. I say it was like seventy five or eighty percent legit and twenty or twenty five percent bullshit. Now I think it's seventy five bullshit and twenty five percent legit because there's so much manipulation that goes on. I think anymore. in the seventies it was uh, worse from uh, what the early seventies. Yeah. Gather from yeah. who people was doing who coke, I will who not doing name, coke who with shared who, stories. Buying, buying just deal. not even that. Yeah. Just not even the drug aspect. I think just a simple. Taking advantage of a of kids and uh, the general public in a way, s- selling like faulty gear. And, yeah, uh, and, but even the, but even the companies muscling how many covers they were going to get. And so on oh, so that's, that, that, that was, always happened. That was another thing, and then that happened in the nineties again when the skaters took over. They like basically you can't put a longboard in the magazine, or we'll we'll pull our heads uh, out. That's it's like, weak. Well, so you're stopping skateboarding from progressing. That's weak. You know, it is. Weak, yeah. Now my my parents own a Boning Yanni magazine, so I'm I'm aware of what happens in media as far as media production and, and advertisers. Yeah threatening to do this or that if you do this or that and you know it's very politicized what I was going to say is anytime unevolved human beings are in the mix that there's potential for that to happen and there's a greater potential when you when there's some form of attraction of like potential to make uh, some when some money, some, some, form, involved, some form of money because you know um, film business is, is music business you know, that's what people. Oh, the music business. Like I already, I already well, went through skating. So I mean, who you're cares? the first person who really ever told me blatantly, and obviously I know it. And it's always the rumors how I talk. But like I said, when you rode for Santa Cruz or whatever, you just basically say, "Well, you ride for us, you get Thrasher, and if you don't, you well, don't. no, 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 because I, we I, own my, the magazine." My, well, you know I mean? like, okay, that's... so the the story goes like this. Um, you know, I say I rode for the mafia. 
really, you know, uh, which I was okay with. Um, uh, Mr. Yeah, it benefited got, you, got, of course. Well, were, yeah, it benefited were, me. You know, Mr. Hawk made a comment part. to me, and I wasn't sure if it would, it had any real teeth to it. Oh, if you don't stay in line, DeMontron, you know, God rest Frank, so I love him. He was such a good, yeah, guy. Was a good guy. He was a good guy, and I'm glad I made peace with him in the last two or three years of my skate time. Um, but he made a comment to me, you know, 16 is real. 15 and a half, 16 years old, you know, right for Santa Cruz, big attitude and all that. And, um, oh, I won't get any coverage. So I, I, I had a sit down lunch with Novak, probably my second one. And he goes, you okay? What's up? You know, we used to break off by ourselves and he would talk to me and he was interested in my mind cause I was an odd but person. So clarify what Frank said about you won't get coverage. Well, what are you talking about? Uh, just like in what context? if in like if the way I'm behaving or oh, okay. personal expression, you know, yeah. the contest, you know, and I was unaware of Frank's military background. Yeah, and stuff. he wanted a straight line. He wanted yeah, to keep and it straight. I, I get it, yeah. but you know, I'm not that person. No, I know. But I'm not a bad person, but I'm not that person. For sure. You know, um, so I told Novak's like could tell something was running around in my head. It was kind of he's like he's picking up on. It. He goes, "What's going on? What's going on with the last contest?" I told him this. He goes. Uh, well, yeah, Frank. He goes, um, well, if this helps you out, I have controlling interest in Thrasher. I was like, oh, okay. And we left it at that. And that was it. <laughs> now, I don't know if that was true when he told me. I don't know if he said it just to say it. But, and so he said, uh, you know, coverage will not be a problem. So that's sort of why I say I wrote for the mafia because it's like I, you know, I own the I own the construction company, I own the wrecking ball, the trash sure. service, and I knew because I didn't ride for any affiliate brands that it was almost impossible for me to get. Well, um, you know, it makes sense to say that and to have that sort of supreme confidence in yourself and in your business model. Yeah. Okay, fine. But at the same time, Neil Blender got the cover, but he's Neil. You yeah. know what it I mean? It was very rare. It was very rare. There's only a couple tracker people that ever got on a cover. You know what I mean? I don't know if Neil got on a cover when he was riding trackers or not. Oh, of course. Okay. He had that little he doll. Was, it wasn't. Yeah, it was a non-skating uh, cover. Right him and Tony Hawk. The only a couple I can. No, remember. Neil had this inc- um, incredible cover that was, you know, should have been on the cover of Interview Magazine. It was like he had this little rag doll he probably made, and he drew a face on it. It was just his face, and you know that, and. Probably the most interesting interview ever given, <laughs> you know, because he's Neil. I love Neil Blender. I know you love Neil Blender. He's oh God, very yeah. influential. Yeah, yeah very influential and an impact ways. on my life. Yeah, we talked about before we started the podcast the picture I just hung in my bathroom that he sent me out of the blue. Of course, one of the greatest like, photographers in yeah, skateboarding. One of the best if, pictures ever. If you're ever lucky, for sure. See, it's similar. Before him is uh, Brad Bowman's great photographer. Yeah, Fulmer wasn't too bad either, actually. But, I've not seen too much Fulmer. I've seen a couple of Bowman photos. Fulmer started shooting for Thrasher, yeah. like in that dead period, you know. Yeah. Um, but Brad, um, I remember at Angela's one time, and he started to break out his camera and take pictures, and I go, yeah. oh, you lucky dog. <laughs> no, I, I was sorry. I got a picture from Brad taking that. And, you know, he's long, got so. a great eye. Yeah. He's got a great yeah. eye. He was always good. His stuff got printed, I think, in the later skateboarder in Action Now, you know, around there, and in Thrasher. He was a contributing photographer during that um, that period of his board. It was like the computer readout or whatever, you know, post Superman BB. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that was around. I like Bowman. I mean, I didn't know him a lot back then, only in passing, like big alcohol. I back. met him a But few in the last times. last decade or fifteen years, I've definitely become good friends with him. He's, yeah, he's I've, awesome, I'm better so. friends with him in the last same amount of time. Actually, where I, I started to run into him, and we 
maybe break bread together here and there was when I left skating because I was working on sets and I'd see him in between and he goes he'd look at me like I go we know each other but we don't know each other yeah and he goes how I go um I know I told him he goes oh god skating I well, go and, and I said what are you up to he says oh I'm on the road with new kids I'm doing yeah, their hair yeah, and makeup I know. Like, uh, Brad Bowman was the traveling yeah, hairdresser then, for new kids on the block right and this is during that yeah. time and I'd see him around town and then, you know, um, one of my friends had a party for the new kids at her place in Laurel Canyon. And, and you know, he was there for a hot minute because they were locked up, I think, in the Four Seasons. They couldn't get out. It was like the monkeys or the Beatles. Yeah. And they were there. They were so happy to be at my friend's place uh, up in Laurel Canyon just so they could play pool and have a pizza. So they could be away from the public for a minute. Right. I, I, I asked my friend, Christina, who, who are they? I go, they look, kind of look familiar. Because I don't watch television. She goes, yeah. oh, it's, oh, God, they're probably so happy. Because <laughs> I heard it was just mayhem right there in Sunset Boulevard, the Four Seasons, whatever it was. And they were just locked up. They couldn't, they basically couldn't leave the hotel. It's pretty funny. Yeah, you know, you get a moment of that, and then it's not going to last forever. But. It's funny when you meet skaters like that, and, and you you know you know. It's like, I met Doug DeMontmorency at, uh, like, uh, not Bear Mountain, but Mountain High. I, I, and I, I stood read him, some, and I go, I, I, okay, yeah, you and, talked and about he, that. And he knew me, and I was like, what? I didn't expect him to know me at all, because he had kind of come and gone before. Yeah. But I was, like, so stoked. It's like, just the fact that we recognize each other. I go, man, you look awful familiar. I yeah, met that. Doug DeMontmorency at Sparks Galita. Yeah. And he was so cool. My last day, my first visit there, because my sister used to go to UCSB and student housing was on Stork Road, where Sparks was. So I'd surf in the morning at the beach at the end of the street, you had to uh, hike over sand dunes and stuff. And then I'd skate at night with Scott Negron and, you know, Washburn and Detman and Eric Halverson. Detman's a good photographer, too. He is. He's a good photographer. And um, uh, Doug Deep. And so, on my end of my first visit, Doug Montrency goes, hey, come out to my car. And he goes, here. He gave me a taper kick, a 9-0. It was nice. hardly used. He goes, see, our names are almost are pretty close. Because oh, I was DeMontron. DeMontron, that's pretty awesome. And we had a little conversation. Those are so sweet, dude. And the he, Sims he, he goes, you, so you have a French then. background. I go, yeah, you know, French, yeah. Portuguese, and so forth. And so, yeah, that was the last time I saw him. was probably towards the end of his tenure as the raddest guy on the planet on sims you know i mean the guy was, well, that vibe super was so smooth. good the pictures they had those back cover ads oh, the, God, the red incredible. painted coping and the when they found oh, you the mean backyard that, that pool. backyard pool and they painted it for yeah, the ads yeah just it was just but it was just and he so had the ice glass as a kid full you know I mean? tech. oh yeah. god yeah it was just, uh, yeah but he was he was you know he was uh you know he was so smooth super stylish yeah, yeah, and when Mike told me they lived, they lived pretty like funky life. Like I guess he lived. Very, I never knew that. I didn't know that you. That's not Mike's thing. I was like, wow, that's cool. It's cool to, to learn something about about people. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that about him. I just saw him at the skate park, and it was kind of like last week there. And he gave me a, a used nine o taper kick with some uh, gnarly grip on the tail. I brought it back to L.A. with me. So what 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 would you say is your favorite to skate now? I'm stoked I saw the board in the back of your car with your PowerFlex fives on it. Yeah, those are just those are um, great wheels for. I like skating a bank, skating a. Ditch, I like the know. pump track. I would have to agree; it's one of my favorite. I really wish there was one in Orange County. So I could do get I. To quickly. But yeah. you know there isn't, and the other yeah. one I haven't ridden is in La Quinta, which I will ride at Eddie's Elgato uh, thing. Yeah, cl- right. yeah, the Elgato Classic. Yeah. It's November I hear it's different. Eleventh and twelfth. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
and I th- and I can't wait, and I think that's awesome. They're gonna have like races and stuff like that, and I I, I love that, especially. I'm just gonna guys. I'm like, gonna skate the thing with them. I'm not gonna race or yeah, anything. I don't know. You know me when it comes. To yeah, stuff you like, like that kind of stuff. Well, you I like speed. Ahead. I just want to like I want to see you know. Right. Well, I like to measure my speed against a couple other people. You know, like you're very fast. So yeah. you and that's T-Mag, all I got. I don't do any other tricks. So. No, you don't need to do tricks. You just uh, <laughs> you and T Mag go at it. Oh, see, I don't want. And I love he's, T, he's T- right. and I are more friends than we ever were. But his competitiveness was always a difficult one for me uh, during the days because I, I don't, I don't take it that seriously. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, I get into it, but I don't. Well, you know, I mean, uh, okay. I was in his office with David Hackett ages ago in Osiris, and David and I were surfing. We popped by there because they're friends, and I'm friends with him. And he looked across his desk. And he goes, "How long have we been friends for?" I said, you had a green Toyota Corolla that you lived in in the parking lot at Del Mar Skate Ranch, and your helmet was this, and you rode this, wheels and that. And he goes, oh, my God. Huh. You know me that long ago. Long time. Yeah. I said, I'm very proud of you because what happens is you could have caved and went home. And he had to find, I mean, honestly, I remember talking to him in Germany. You could have caved. We were, we were at a contest in the middle of, like, 3 in the morning. We were outside talking, and he was basically telling how that pressure of, even being able to, to to be even noticed against Tony Hawk and Christian Asso, you know, and, and the pressure that it took, and, and 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 again, he was trying to live for it. See, I'm a Southern California no, born no, no, and bred. No, no. He, it was he, a his, sidebar. His for energy me. around it yeah. is different because yeah. he's he's in a different country. Yeah, no. He might not have the resources that everybody else has, but he took what he had and made it into something. No, he had to fight and, for it. I did. And um, on, not only on top of that, he was a great competitor. He's an exceptional athlete. And he built the business, and he gave people work, and he probably still does to this day. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and he does his son's a fantastic surfer. surfer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, you know, to you, buddy. I mean, it takes no, a lot. It takes a lot I, of I, courage and mental fortitude to do such things. The stuff that goes through our egos growing up, and so on, and so forth. And as you get older, you're like, oh okay. man, who the hell? I mean, cares? to be like, fair, you know. I didn't want to be in a practice session with him. Well, no, no. I, I honestly, I, okay. used, I used to call Salva, Stedham, and Magnuson session killers. Okay. Because they were hard to skate with for me because they took right. a lot of the fun out of it, as well, far as I saw. Yes. You know, again, Stead- as times go on, you know. Well, Salva just... never did to me, but because I was a, you know, on the mafia. Yeah, roster. I, I just, there were so many snake snaking times where I would just get irritated, like, dude, one more time, I swear I'm gonna run you over. Or you know I mean, it's you like, know, but, or, uh, it's, or it's one of those things where um, I won't say who said it, but he goes. Well, go ahead and take one run. You're not going to win the contest anyways. You're going to choke. Well, I, 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 <laughs> and he's a mutual friend of ours. Yeah. I'm just I know, but I've heard it. It's funny. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't remember, like, even World Cup Series, I ran Mickey over, Mickey over once. Well, that, that makes that, sense. That whole Upland thing was so snake. They were so... I never really understood why you're so hell-bent on snaking. And, okay. and I literally dropped him behind I get Mickey it. and dro- rode him off of his I, skateboard. I understand, and ran him over, you because know? Like, that's the 70s. Um but I don't know. Maybe, but what was it? The seventies were like. That. I grew up in seventies. I didn't need to. Snake I know, people. but you were you were entering yeah. into. Those people called me Gentleman Jim Gray and ruined my whole reputation to start with. So, <laughs> thank you, Neil. Um, so what I see is Mickey's a young, young Grom amidst all these tough guys in a very male chauvinistic period called the seventies, and he has to hold his own, and yeah. he did. Yeah. He was a little titan, a champion, you know. Um, the worst ever still was the funniest story, and I took a guy from high school, um, and Dwayne was obviously I'm so king. Gl- Dwayne was the king of snakes. Right. Uh, you know? Yeah, he was. I'm, I'm really glad that Mickey 
currently has turned his life around. I'm, like. I'm so proud I'm of delighted. Alba. I mean, I love you, know, you buddy. I, I'm glad that I uh, feel that you have a good future. And, yes. Uh, you have people looking after you. Such a great mind, too. And you, yeah. No, he's come by here and just glowing, smiling. Yeah, I can tell. Selfie. It's it's yeah. nice to see that because... Uh, oh, it is. But uh, funny, the story I was going to tell about snaking was just Dwayne. That, Dwayne, that, that, yeah. Because you remember my first pro contest is a Whittier Skate City, uh, whatever, turkey shoot or whatever the heck they were. And I remember bringing a guy from high potato school. Potato bowl? Um, what's that? Potato bowl, maybe? Uh, no, it was the keyhole. It was, a, it was Yeah, like, potato was bowl. Is that, I, I don't remember what they called no, it. That, cause, like, uh, no, because Taters had a contest called the Potato Bowl. Oh. Now, that was like one of the last major contests before everything went. Rest in peace, Taters. I miss Taters. Yeah. Uh, taters and I became better friends uh, in the last yeah. no, five, six years of his life. It's just because he'd come by here like once a right. week and we'd hang out. And like, yeah. And it's so weird how he's only a couple of years older than us, but when you're a kid at the skate park and he's 19 and you're 16, you're like, he's the old guy. You know, he's the, he's the authority. authority. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the Dwayne story was funny because a friend of mine, uh, Rich Weston, uh, another sadly rest in peace as well. Mm-hmm. But he, uh, um, I remember going there with me and he goes, hey, Jimmy, like, who died and left that guy in the skate park? Oh, I remember you um, telling me that story. Yeah, and it was just so funny because it was like Dwayne would go, someone else would go, Dwayne would go, and it was like uh, I remember ending up putting my foot in front of his wheels and pushing him because I was like I was tired of him snaking, and uh, yeah, we had we had many challenges there. I think if you're, you know, for me it was just more like could I snake? Yeah, who taught me? Mick, Mickey and Steve and Lance actually. Um, but the thing was, I didn't want to break myself up. You know what I mean? I don't want to make contact with anybody. And there was also another aspect that I found that my fellow skaters slash colleagues, competitors, I saw some people that maybe this is just a generous or compassionate part of me. I saw people struggling in a pool, say like Jeff Phillips, and I, and he needed more time mentally to just because yeah, he's getting frustrated well, because he goes back and it. forth. Yeah, and yeah. I said you need to loosen up your front truck. Maybe he goes okay. Yeah. You know, and he goes, "Why are you letting me go?" I said, "Dude, he's going to kill himself." Yeah. You know, he needs a little more time. Like well, I, 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 I know the pool. I don't like people frustrated. Not no, no, no. But it's we're in the same thing. practice session, yeah. and so I wanted to have a good flow. We all want to do good, right? But not at the cost of somebody else. To me, that was my whole. Thing. No, I agree. I, and I, I never want to ruin someone's session. Like, no, so there's. If some, I want to beat someone. I want to beat them. Like, and I, you know, I've been in sessions where it was everybody got to run. It was enjoyable. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of heaviness going on you know it's phillips it's gibbs and it's monty's john but it's all still respectful but it's heavy you know what i mean on the deck it's okay because we're all together but that's but there were certain people certain people in a a practice session i was just like oh god i don't want And just talking about phillips and and then gibson just how about those texas boys i met john at lakewood with chris strope and wally inoy gibson was like he's the first guy i remember coming out here from Texas, yeah, he would, and he like, became like a star so, to us kids. So good, oh my so god, good. Like, so smooth, red, ripping, raw, long-haired, red oh, yeah. kid, just like to this day. He's like, ripping. damn, ripping. I met I met Craig Johnson through Aspel, and then Craig Johnson was the damn nicest what? guy ever. When he cut nicest his helmet and pulled his freaking dreadlocks oh, off yeah. the top. Oh yeah, I met him. Before he looked all like that. He, he looked like he'd kill you, but he was actually no, no. He's he the just coolest. You wanted him on your side. He was he was your buddy. He and I made camp at a lot of Aspel contests. He goes, where are you sleeping? I go right here. All right, I'm put my shit here. I got a little store. So we take turns camping. We'd set up basically camp. We sleep in the bottom of pools. I remember at Colton, um, me, him, maybe Dan Wilkes, Bo- Booger Brown, Bo- yeah. Um, so those guys went to go get something to eat. I did, and uh, Janet Losey opened the shower for us, so we could bathe in the morning, which is very nice. Or at Colton, yeah, yeah, the Aspo. 
Right. And I remember um, Stagu got a little bent because because we got the I guess primo spots and we're all and Craig Johnson said, well there's enough room and he got all oh, pissed he goes what's up I go doesn't matter for you. I, I we don't have time for that we let's you know the sun's gonna come up we need to <laughs> so you know it's just like. Sun will come up tomorrow. Oh yeah, fully um, Annie. But uh, so, uh, you know, I met these I met these guys through, you know, just the uh, the journey that I made through skating. It just and it just so happens to be that's who they were and they became who they are and are now in history. And I had no idea I'd become a part of any kind of. History. Well, so we were fortunate. We grew up around some of the raddest skateboarders of all time. We we got to Watness. I was we're, we're I also in late Southern 70s. California. Though. No, no, I, I that makes me spoiled beyond belief. I was surrounded by it. Yeah, oh God, was accessible. Yeah. I knew there was always a skater who could probably kick my ass. Who freaking was living in Arizona somewhere or whatever like that. I didn't care because there's just realities. I lived here. I'm going to take advantage of it. You know, so right. So I did. You know, so no, so for all the people who lived somewhere and thought they got shortchanged, you probably did. But the reality I, yeah, is, yeah, I don't know. I we, can't answer to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, but there's nothing. Okay. There's no. I want to. I want to put. This to you okay. how many people in your skateboarding journey that you knew that were really good had a lot of talent didn't stick with it left before they could have taken the ride up or oh. ruined their life because of drugs yeah a little of both or some just disappeared like seriously one of the best skaters of all time that i knew was arnie hoke oh, you know wow. he used to skate with olsen and all these guys and he would come and blow up and he was the standout he was the one crushing it just always riding circles around everyone and he just moved off to utah to go snowboarding at the time called it winter sticking and just never heard from him again uh, I remember yeah, he played yeah. baseball with my brothers. Kids, he went to the same high school as me. Like, mean, the guy would like right. get a hit every time he stood up to the baseball diamond. He was just a, he was a good natural athlete. Skateboarding was his thing for a while. Crushed everybody, right. just run away and didn't well, care. I, I, you know, I tell you people know. that, you know, I got lucky because one, I was a kid. I started very early. Two, when um, I said, imagine you're going to college and you're you, you're getting trained for, you know, say, you're a scientist or a physicist, and the space programs closed down once you graduate. Well, that's me in skating. As my skill level was going up. The financial skateboarding went structure and yeah. skateboarding was tanking. Yeah. So, but you got to understand, I was in middle school. Yeah. When this was, ha- I started in '74. Okay, so I do the whole okay pre skate park, skate park. Oh, skate park's fading. Skate park's fading, and I'm in the contest system, and it's just there's an inverse relationship financially. So yeah. I'm still in middle school. I'm like, okay, whatever. I happen to get lucky, right place, right time, circumstances, right group of people because in uh, in school I was a loner. I chose that because I didn't really have anything in common except going to the restroom maybe and breathing air. And um, Well, no, there was no... Well, I understand. It. Yeah, You, you but, float to your own beat. You just no, but, do. Okay, so a, a, a galvanizing moment for me in my journey was meeting Eric Nash and Jeff at Whittier because they were as serious as me. So it's like we'd call each other, hey, you need to ride to the park? Oh, yeah. you know. I, so those guys are my ride. Lance, they were my family now. But they were the people that I would probably hang out in high school with. But I hung out with them because we're going to the next contest. We, we're motivated. We want to learn a new trick. Oh, did you see that? You see what Jim did? You see what Dwayne did? Oh, that, you know, what's his name he used to do this? And there's that whole like archival historical thing. But yet we're recreating in the moment. So... How can I have that conversation in high school? I cannot, and they won't understand it. I'm going to a contest in Florida. Your mom lets you fly on the plane by herself. Yeah, yeah, she does, and I'm going to be gone the whole weekend. But it's so there's a lot of cognitive dissonance within the social uh, milieu that I'm in in high school. So I have nothing in common with them except I go to school, I see them, and then I'm gone. I do homework. No one finds me. So any girl, you know, the whole girl thing. Oh, he's gone. He's at a contest. Well, he's, he's skating. Oh, he's at a photo shoot. He's oh, gone. girls didn't knock on my door. <laughs> no, they used to, my mom goes, oh, this, and then I, I, they'd see me. 
maybe the next day. And class, they go, so you're, where were you yesterday? I go, skating. I was practicing. I have a contest, you know, da 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 Oh. So you see how that is? There's no, there's, for a while. Well, different I, world. I, knew, I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you know. You know, but it. they didn't get it. Yeah. They started to kind of get it. As I was leaving high school. I got school. picked up by a van on a Saturday by Steve Cathy to go out to a contest. You know, like it was just... Yes. Not every kid was getting... No, it. It was no, different. no, no, no. It's They're different, playing baseball it's locally thing. at school. So that we you know, I, I think that, you know, within high school in that thing, one of the gratifying moments was, you know, the, the, the guys who thought they were rad surfers, but they really weren't. There was a few people that surfed and they were my ride to surfing. And yeah. so thank God for them because they kept me in surfing. I love them for it. Um, you know, Santa Cruz used to advertise in surfing in Surfer Magazine. Yeah. And I had like probably at least four ads. So these yeah. guys would go, is that you? Yeah. Like, wow, cool. Let's like, let's they, did, they just look at me look at me and they look at me and go, wow, it's really cool. Thanks, man. Well, guess who doesn't and then, want then they're that? Just, like, well, that, you know, so- it's, it's, it's different because these guys were, you know, like giving me grief. And I was kind enough to not, you know, go, yeah, man, you know, yeah, 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 to them. And I was like, what? You know, because mom goes, look, don't rub it in their face. They're, she says, people learn slow. You know, and their ability to envision something more than what they see in front of them sometimes is mired by their own uh, fear. Yeah. So when they'd seen it, maybe on the flip side of that, they're more open to something in their life that they figured they couldn't do. Yeah. You know, no. but, but and, and they, most, they, they, yeah. at the same time, they were stoked, yet they're ambivalent and they're confused at the same time. For sure. Well, for, I mean, again, most all. Teasing, put downs, getting in someone's face is always based right. on and, fear. And the flip side was you know? it was great being sponsored by Quicksilver my last year in high school. Totally. And Converse was some of my teachers that I liked that were really cool. I said, Hey, what size do you wear? Bring him. Oh, you're kidding. God. All right. Where'd you get that cool shirt, Mr. Gets? Demontron gave it to me. Really? I, I hear he writes for the competition team. The competition. The competition. Team. <laughs> I wasn't worried back then. I got you kidding. To be on the, the competition team was yeah, a well, big cause, deal. Yeah, because it's his. He yeah. was. A, he was a. Um, Mr. Getz was my advanced literary teacher, and he was. Um, what do you call it? Um, he played college ball. That's how he got through college. He got a full. Scholarship. I got all my t-shirts. So I, I was on. In his mind, I'm on the competition team. No, I, I got. I was still never forget wearing my long sleeve Gordon and Smith t-shirt to God, school the first time. It's like a junior. It's like, are you kidding? Super Look, sweaty. I'm wearing itchy. a long sleeve Gordon and Smith shirt. Yeah, like that was like. The stuff, stuff dreams were made of. Yeah, you know? Of course, and it, it came was. to me in a box, and my dad was like saying, "You really get this stuff for free?" You know, um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's uh, definitely yeah. No, you so you don't really, stuff. yeah, you don't need to brag about that because you're already kind of almost embarrassed. You're like, "Why? Well, I'm proud of it." I'm I was not, I'm not, not gonna, embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. Like, I don't want to gloat about it, but I'm super stoked. I was so you know, uh, I didn't gloat about. it. I was so focused. But those who were like, say, were close to me, like um, he's passed on now. My friend Butch Keenan knows who he is. He lived across the street from me. He was the only guy in high school I was really tight with, maybe. And I think you know another friend of mine who I let into my world. His name was Rob Herrick. Rob was... Yeah, name sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he knows you. Um, he was... Does he, he live... Is he a fireman? Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. So I've known uh, Rob for okay, quite yeah. a Rob's while. Rob's a good dude. He came down so, here, took me out to breakfast. So I let him into nice my guy. world yeah. Yeah. in high school. And yeah. I was very like, ah, no, nah, nah. You know, but Rob... Rob taught me how to drive a stick shift. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> no, he, he's a good dude. Like, he's a yeah, good we had, dude. We had breakfast a couple years ago. Yeah, and so... Um, you know, Shout out to Rob Herrick. So when I would get gear, you know, these guys would be in my house. And i go, hey, man. They're going, three pairs of trunks. Are you kidding? I said, no, I got your sizes. It's cool. I told them it's for some friends of mine. And so I would take care of my friends. 
Well, that was the amazing thing. I don't know how I mean, your parents I felt, bothered it felt that, good but to, if I went back, back to school, I'd get like two pairs of pants and a couple shirts and no, blah, blah, blah. I know. And suddenly I get a box from G&S and there's 10 things in it. I'm oh, like, yeah. oh my God, really? You know, Santa Cruz you know? was very oh. generous yeah. with gear and stuff like that. Danny Kwok was my go-to guy at Quicksilver. And he was very generous. I mean, yeah. so was Converse. I mean, you know, I hear these stories of Dwayne. Oh, I used to have one board from Hobie or whatever. And I was like, wow, really? NHS. And I remember like, Gotcha. You can, we just had a budget. We like every month got so much stuff. Me and Lester would go shopping. I mean, we were like, yeah, well, we, so Chris and I had a budget, but yeah. outside of like, it wasn't like I got four pairs of shorts for the month. I tell DK, I go, this is what I got going on. I got a demo in St. Louis. The mag's going to be this and that. And he goes, he's writing stuff down. He goes, this is all good stuff, but let, let's go, let's go, let's grab, let's, you know. I know you like to look a certain way. I go, well, I like to look a certain way because it's you guys too. It's just we're partners in the visual part. So he was really generous and I wasn't, you know, abusive about it at all. And, um, you know, every now and then, like friends of ours who weren't sponsored by them, like Lance goes, well, I like those. I said, all right, give me your size. So I'd, my next visit, I'd grab Lance what he liked. And eventually Lance rode for them for a while. And then, you know, I got Gross hooked up because Jeff saw, come on, fag, let me, you know, dude, let me, I said, why don't you just go with me? Because it'll be easier. So he got in the, he goes, I'll drive and I'll buy lunch. And, and he, you know, Jeff's very likable. It was during that time, you know, that. So you spent a lot of time with Jeff. Let's talk about Jeff for a minute. Just oh, uh, gosh. I met Jeff one evening, he and Eric Nash at the same time. And I think they're. Either entering Arcadia. seventh grade. They're from Arcadia, right? They're from Arcadia. You're from Montebello. I, I know. I lived in Omonte at the yeah. time. Oh, Monte, I'm sorry. Oh, please. Close yeah. to Montebello. Well, I know they're all close. Monterey Park is right. You know, they're well, all. Well, I skated Montebello because I lived in Monterey Park during yeah. the time when it was being built, and I skated it. Um, so I lived in Omonte, and those guys lived in Arcadia. I met them at, at Whittier Skate City one evening, and we just clicked. And for some reason, I don't know if Jeff and Eric had a tiff or a rift. Jeff needed a ride back, and I was with. You know, a lot of people that I was around were usually a lot older than me. And it's because I was emotionally advanced, intellectually advanced, I could hold my own, even though I didn't partake in, you know, drugs or smoking pot. And this one guy, he, he, was, he was my ride to surfing, and he was a really good surfer. His name was Mark Bowman. Super stylish, punker guy. Um, you know, like a mentor guy, look after me. And Bowman had a square back. And uh, so I, I said, well, you know, I said, my friend drove me, so... I got to ask, you know, I yeah. said, hey, Bowman, this guy, and he looks at him and he goes, uh, really? <laughs> you know, like, I said, Please, I mean, come on, he's cool. He's just, he's cool. You know, I just met Jeff. Yeah. So he sat Jeff all the way in the back as sort of punishment. I don't know why. And he goes, just, that was the era. The he goes, era was I know, but you know how it is. It's just like, I'm in with Bowman because I'm respectful. I surf with him. He knows my mom. He knows how I am, but he doesn't know this guy and he talks a lot. And so he said, hey, bobblehead. Shh. We'll get in your home, okay? All right, just cool, man. I just want to listen to my tunes. Be quiet. You know, and he's smoking a dirt stick driving like this. You know what I mean? And so that's how I made friends with Jeff. I, for some reason, I don't know why he didn't have a ride because you know he's got two. He's got two parent. He's got two sets of parents, and maybe he and Nash had. A but they're different. They him and Nash had different, very different styles. Well, you know, styles uh, of skating, but I'm just saying. No, maybe, styles those, of skating, styles of, of growing up, styles oh, of God, parenting, yes. so on and so on. That's what I'm oh, saying. That, a, lot of, oh, a lot of people forget about the social aspect of like, you grew up this way, I grew up this yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. How so, your, you know, how your home but, was. You know, that's, that's how I met Jeff. And Jeff, I think, was either entering seventh grade or eighth grade in Dana. Um, I, think it was, I think he was just entering eighth grade. He was going to be an eighth grader. 
and I was 13 going and 14 going to be uh, probably a freshman in high school and like I said you know they were they had talent they were good and they were serious so that locked it in I spent definitely I spent time with both of them but I spent more time with Jeff just for a number of reasons you know Eric Eric straddled those worlds of being social in Arcadia High with the preppy you know yeah. crew and all those guys and Jeff knew him but you know Jeff didn't do that that much and well, that's I mean, I mean again, even though he was friends with those guys he, in yeah, high school. Funny. I mean, obviously, you know, and Jeff and I had our clashes and that, but ultimately, that's later on. I'm talking, no, no, but, but ultimately, we loved each I'm other. I'm talking about when we were kids. I get it, but I'm talking about styles of styles of, of how you act and who you. Oh with God! And, well, that evolved with him, with, and that's why he went in in Nashville is inherently different. No, they're different and people. And I were also inherently different. You we know, both love skateboarding. To me, but to me Nash is more of a mainstream guy. Yeah. And I was probably more of a mainstream guy myself. You know, even though he, you yeah, know, he like, got creepers here and there, and you yeah. know the, the shoes because I struggled with fences. I too did the same thing. Hung out with the ASB people one weekend, and then just off That's of my cool. skate stoner buddies all weekend yeah, to go skateboarding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I just I tried to live on all sides. I still do. I still like people. I can of all I can do life. that. I've yeah. done it. You know, um, because I was around a lot of older people growing up, and I was a latchkey kid. I had to, you know, be uh, on it quicker you know because there wasn't a lot of coddling um but yeah i spent a lot of time with jeff sure you know from that point on and you know because of contests and circumstance and you know musical inclinations and certain preferences we both liked and kept the tight ship meaning both our bedrooms were very ocd clean and so when we traveled the hotel was like that the room it wasn't a wasn't a, as much as he partied and stuff it wasn't a clusterfuck so you know, and he liked to eat well, so did I. So that worked really well. I mean, we're kind of, in a way, you know, when we traveled like an old married couple, he'd go rage, I'd stay and read, and he was a big reader. So part of our thing was when we used to travel was we'd buy a novel, read it, and exchange, and then, oh, how did you like it? Well, you know, I felt the character development was this, and we used to go back and forth like that. Yeah. I also did that with Joe Johnson. He was into that. He goes, what are you guys doing? Oh, I do that. I said, okay. So we had this whole book exchange thing that we'd roll between the three of us sometimes. And, um, you know, I traveled with him a lot. Um, yeah, thought, that's something I definitely know about you. You're very well-read. Uh, I, I, I could I be know, more well-read. I mean, there was no, periods in my still, life where I read more than others. Um, when you're traveling skating, if you're not driving a car, I mean, you know, there, there wasn't a cell phone, which I think is better, actually. Um, you know, I read because I was interested. And, you know, Jeff read a lot of literature. So, like, you're talking like Albert. Camus or you know Kurt Vonnegut and stuff like that or James Joyce yeah, depends Charles Bukowski whatever but I you know I uh, I enjoyed traveling with them I was very lucky that uh, there was no interfacing with the law in my travels with him yeah that's good um, yeah um, well you and I were similar in that way we didn't really drink no no, party, no 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 but like, I'm saying you know, uh, because by by association something bad could happen but yeah. it never did yeah and part of that was, I think, because when he'd come back to the hotel room, you know, I'm not raging or parting. You know, it's just like it came to a point where he'd go out because he doesn't want the, to get kicked out in the middle of the night or have it be a train wreck. So he'd go out and do his thing. In someone else's room. Or wherever. Yeah, yeah totally. I agree. And I go, okay. And, you know, he goes, because I used to go to the whatever the market and find and I'd buy food for the room. And he goes, here here's 100 man or here's 50 you know get what you want and get you know get stuff that i like because i know what he liked 
So we'd come back and I'd have bananas, grapes, stuff to make sandwiches with provolone cheese, bread, you know, things to make sandwich with. He, he liked a lot of the European snacks that I liked that were, my, my mom had in the house, like the Scottish shortbread or the dark chocolate uh, biscuit cookies. You know, and you'd be like, oh, great. I'm sure you sit down and shoot the shit and tell me all the stories of the evening. And he'd just gorge on all the snacks we bought. You know, and so, I mean, it was pleasant, you know. Um, it made life on the road pleasant, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I spent a lot of time with him. That was before he had a, a plethora of tattoos or any of that, you know. Yeah. But, again, no, I, 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 noticed... I remember modeling with like, was this little bull-headed kid, bull-cut yeah. kid from Arcadia. Yeah, 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 yeah. I met yeah. him like that, you know, I met him. I think yeah, he... Grant Britain was my my most frequent hotel share with because neither of us wanted to I traveled with him yeah yeah, I traveled with him a lot him and Swank you know um, because I wasn't a wild card you know I went a lot of places with those guys and you know they'd invite me hey we're going to go to this so it was like a press trip really but they're my friends so I tell DK and Converse and they flip some money at me if NHS didn't want to chip in and you know because I knew my uh, my job was to get coverage I was a lifestyle skater. I was good as a sponsor dam. I was okay as a pro. I, you know, top 20. But the highest I've ever gotten was maybe 11th or, I don't know, forget, uh, right. Capital Street style. support the brand and keep the vibe going. Well, yeah. I mean, initially, the what I wanted to do was, and I don't know why it didn't happen. I, you know, there was a swindle series, and it was a joke, but it was taking the piss. Um, I told Novak, I said, look, just why don't you give me a model and I'll just travel, promote the brand, and just put the money in a travel fund to support my traveling. That was it. And I figure I go at some point, you know what it'll be over with, I'll just go to college. I wasn't you know, I wasn't Rob Roscop. I didn't have Jeff. Yeah, you didn't sell tens of thousands. No, no, no. Well that 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 anybody can sell tens of thousands of boards. You just need marketing. But to me, when I'm saying that in that breath, I know of Rob's skill level. I know how good he is because I've seen him ride. And I you know, he was he was the Santa- barn. Yeah, the point. He was a Santa boy. Cruz. I spent a lot of time with him because we were gotcha guys, so we did a lot right. Of he was a gotcha guy. Um, he rode for Quicksilver for a hot minute. Um, but Rob was Santa Cruz at the time. He was their best rider, hands down, bar none. Yeah, and for a lot of people who may not even realize that he went on to run Santa Cruz bicycles. Yeah, that's later on. I'm and, just I'm just talking about. No, I know, I'm just saying for context of people listen to these. They yeah, don't you know, know what happened. I mean, I remember when yeah. Tim Pumarta called me. Says, "Hey, Ross Cop." And he told me who he was, and he goes, he, he needs a place to stay in L.A., and then he's going to come up north. So Rob stayed with me and my mom, I think, five weeks, six weeks. He skated Whittier, you know, and um, he was riding uh, a big Dwayne Was board. he not living out here yet? Was that fresh from Ohio? Yes. Yeah. And he lived with me and my mom, and of course he got to uh, get his introduction to exotic international food. <laughs> and um, he still remembers all that stuff. It's so funny. You know, and then he went up to uh, Santa Cruz uh, to, uh, you know, pursue his new life path. And he was always, my relationship with him was always big brother. So I'd go up there, oh, you stay with me. And I had money. And he goes, oh, no, don't worry. I, I got you covered. I'll pay for it. And he, uh, well, and he was always very personal. He goes, he hey, how's mature. your mom doing? You know, like yeah. that. How's he was mature. He was intelligent. I always liked, I always well, liked hanging out with Rob because, it, well... Yeah, he had some immature moments I didn't, I've, I've I enjoyed well, with the, him, too. The, the yeah. only immature moment I, I ever saw with him was um, we were at the Sacto Street Stall in 85. And we were getting kicked out of our hotel room. And he, he sleeps like a rock. You wake him up, he gets pissed. Not at me, but he was furious because, you know, the contest is a big deal. It was me, him, and Meekster. And he wanted to kill Mike Smith and John Lucero because they were hammered. 
and they're in the parking lot. And the cops were all there. He goes, and Miss was ah. he goes, and it was more the added the vibe in the lot was like, well, you guys are drunk and you're losers because you're not going to do good in the contest. I want to do good. I want to sleep and get rest. And right. Yeah. And I got it. And I said, I said, you know, I go, Rob, Rob, and he's big and I'm little. I go, please go in the car. Go in the car. Give me the keys. Go in the car. What? What? I go. I go. It's not. Meeks, you're getting the car. Why? I just. Got to another hotel room. I woke up Tim. I go, listen, this is the this is the issue. Barnes pissed, so we're gonna go straight to bed. But this is what happened. He goes, oh, okay, so it's handled, taken care of. We get there, and that that was the best I could do. But that night taught me to never stay on the same floor. Like they go, I, oh, the skaters here. Oh, you're with them, and yeah. then I go, put where are they on, staying? Put us on the, the third floor. I said, yeah, floor. you oh, can yeah. you can put me in the corner. The, I always did it with Jeff. He goes, oh, it's so smart. So we never get kicked out. Yeah. By association. Oh, there's times when they were opening rooms, making everybody get out. And I'm hiding on the balcony, like, like yeah. So you can't see. So yeah, there, there was so. banging on the door at Sacto, and you know it wasn't like we were staying at the Ritz Carlton. We were probably like a day's in or something, and it just probably was like 11.30 at night or whatever you know it hadn't hit the midnight hour but he was asleep and all of us were out you know but whatever so but um, you know he, like I said he was like a big brother to me I remember many times going up there I mean how amazing this you go there and he goes come on let's go to the boardwalk so Rob wanted to go to the boardwalk I didn't pay for a fucking drink food or a ride Rob's just he was so generous with me and I'll never forget those things it was it was really nice of him to do he didn't have to do that but he was super cool to me and um and he was an incredible talent on the skateboard. Oh, no, he was he was gnarly. He was strong and, and stylish, super stylish. stylish. Uh, more nimble than you would think for his size. Oh his, God, his, yes. Especially his muscle mass. You'd think he wouldn't be able to be yeah. that nimble, but he was very nimble. <laughs> and, um, and I loved it when he would come down for a contest and he'd be in my practice session and someone tried to snake. He goes, "Go ahead, I'm gonna take you out." Oh, yeah. okay, go ahead, spite. <laughs> Like rat and full, like it's good when you can block for people. Yeah, no, yeah. it's good. He goes, yeah, my best Roscop story is he made me, made me. I mean, obviously, I contributed, but him and this guy Dean, rest in peace. Uh, I was a Powell rep. Mm. Um, we were in a t- trade show in Texas, and uh, we went into town to a club or like that. And of yeah, I didn't drink much. They drank a lot, so they had, oh, yeah. they, had, they had a rented Targa Porsche. I used to get the keys know, a lot, and uh, you know, really made for two people enough room for someone to stop in the back. Two. Like, Jim, you're driving us home. You know, and you're a big guy, too. I, I, I'm a big guy. So they're, you know, they're packed in the back. You know, oh, I don't know if it was Roscoe in the back or Dino or that. But no, the funny thing is they're like, go faster, you wussy. You know, yeah, like, oh, yeah, uh, okay. And I went 147. Woo! And I remember at like, and then I like. Where were you? Just, we were in, in Dallas. Okay. Uh, and from, from downtown back out to the airport, like, <clears> miles, we're racing. And then uh, I literally remember I getting a little freaked out. Like, oh, go faster, go faster, come no on, cops? go faster. You know, Roscoe and them just yelling at me, go faster. I finally take my foot off the gas at like 135. He'll dip in the road. And literally, I think we caught a couple inches of air because we were just going so fast. You yeah, know? Like, I know. And I could feel the wheels drop out and the car was super stable. No big deal. Yeah. Then I started slowing down. I got pulled over at 80 miles an hour. Imagine if I kept going 140 and I got into the cop. Yeah, they would have uh, taken your keys uh, away. Oh, yeah. So I like uh, I could have ended up in Texas for the rest of my life. But, Did he uh, pay for the ticket? Uh, uh, no, no, I didn't really vibe on about that one, but it was just, it was just really funny. It was, I remember just, they were just so like drunk and like, you know what I mean? Faster, come on, faster. Yeah, you know? I remember, uh, what was in Houston, we all went to the go-kart track. Oh my God. And they're like just thrashing each other. Running up. into each other, yeah. On purpose, Mickey oh, and him and, you know, all, all, you know, Grease and everybody. Skateboarders have caused a lot of troubles. A lot of havoc, but years, I mean, yeah. no one got hurt, luckily. And I was a good enough driver strategically where they never could get me. Rob's all, oh, I said, no way, dude. You're too big and I'm too nimble later because I'm lighter now. <laughs> and I just like zip it around. And, you know, he wanted to ram me. Mickey, like, I, yeah. 
Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, well, we've you, had you, a lot of fun. Love. Let's talk about skateboards. Let's talk about your boards and like. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I know Lance did the graphic for your first board. Was that the? Um, my my actual first board, I did the art direction and Jim Phillips drew it. Okay. The first board that never was produced. It's in uh, one of those books, you know. I don't, I forget his name right now. So he did the graphic. But it wasn't Clive, his. what's his name? Sean Cliver. Sean Cliver, yeah. So I, I, yeah, and it was a non uh, curvilinear fist shape, sort of a throwback to let's say a Bowman or Ray Bones or a Fulmer type shape. Um, that came out in '85. We had sort of a parting of the ways, and then I came back into the fold with NHS around. 86 somewhere. 80. So for like a year you weren't riding with them? No, kind of I, I mean, I, I turned pro at the Capitol Street style. That was in 85. And then somewhere after that, kind of had a parting of the ways. And then um, I was going to college part-time. And Eric Castro was getting... He was good, but he was getting really good. And... uh you know, Keenan was just like, oh, you should come skate with us. And even before that, actually, Lance had a talk with me about, like, what am I doing with my life? I said, well, you know, I'm going to college part-time, and, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to pursue music and so forth and so on. And he goes, God, you're so close. And I'm like, close to what? And he's all, you're so close. Don't give it up. You have a lot of talent. Don't do it. It was just, it was interesting because it was me and him on his ramp by ourselves, not a big session. And he, he gave me a full setup, his model. And that's when I fell in love with rap bones and I fell in love with his shape. Because I wasn't really riding a lot of curvilinear boards at all. At all. Um, and then I started to session with Jeff and Nash and those guys at a La Cañada ramp, San Marino ramp. You know how those private uh-huh. ramps uh-huh. were. Um, and uh, you know I think it was probably Keenan because he was working with Tim and those guys he gave me a bullet with the Speedwheel OJs and set up and I I liked the board and I guess I was skating well enough for Steve to say something to Tim and I got a call Tim said hey what are you doing I said I'm doing homework yeah Steve said you're going to community college part time yeah you know uh, says well i'd like to send you to houston what do you say i was like to a contest he's like yeah you know ross got to be there mickey you know come on okay fine i went i think i got not you know top 10 i probably got like 15 or 18 but what i got was what counts stesic i went street skating with lance and cab and gons and i was the one to make the the trick so I got a four-panel sequence static shot, and of course, I, Fausto was driving the car, so he's a, he's a little mouthy. <laughs> ah, oh, Fausto, mouthy, really? <laughs> he's like, "What's the Montron gonna do?" I was like, oh, "Here we go." Yeah. <laughs> I, I love Fausto. I, I but he was did, mouthy. It, he was. He was. A it, mouthy I did. I never took it personally, nor did I buy into it um, yeah. from the beginning. Um, but so yeah, I went with them to downtown Houston, and there was. I don't know, a set of four stairs, and it was a brick wide, and there was uh, the concrete bits, I don't know, the mortar through the middle, so there were seams. And I walked up the stairs, and I went down this thing. One, two, three. And if you dropped, if you didn't make it, you either had to run towards the stairs so you don't go down 50 or 60 feet. 
and the drop off was maybe four feet at the end but I made it and I made it four times like Stesic saw me going up there dropped my tail and he's like in position go and I go made it go go made it go and everybody else is trying and they kind of haired out also goes alright that goes in the mag Stesic goes good job <laughs> I got lucky because but that was so that was there was, the there was, no, that was there, taking you back into the fold of Santa pretty Cruz? much yeah, yeah. I, I got lucky in the trick because I, um, I had what they call zero point consciousness I didn't have any fear. There was no regret. I just got up there, did it, and did it, and did it without any. It was like I it was like walking, but I was able to do it. So well, it's ironic that, that you kind of got back into the fold of Santa Cruz, which led to getting a model and so on and so forth. My model on GNS was also very random, because you know Billy was the GNS kind of primary team. Oh that yeah, down there. I, in think Yale, you said about that. I was always working. I was in the mortgage business. Or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. Doing my thing, you know, and literally Larry Wilson was a. Oh, you said that, for, yeah, with yeah. Gail Webb or um, some demo or uh, something. Well, he did, did a demo, and it was a demo on Gail Webb's ramp, and he goes like, man, the kids like watching you, like, you know, you guys make cheers, it's like Tony Hawk about it, it was well, his viewpoint of it, he goes, sure. we should make you a model. Yeah. And it was so funny, like, that's what gets you a model, not the other stuff you heard, and it was, it well, was, it was kind of... I don't uh, know what got me the model the second time. The second time was more like, I was getting regular coverage, and good coverage, you know, because... Good picture sell magazines, and I was lucky so was enough. The second model, then, yeah, that uh, Blance, yeah. yeah, and of course, crap. like you, like myself included. I hope I'm not saying so, overstepping by saying this, but we were friends with other photographers. They were our friends. I mean, I knew Swank, I knew Grant, I knew Mofo, I knew I knew BK, Keenan, you know, right, one of the best, um, uh, Stesic, who I made friends with when I was like I don't know, fifteen, um, in Goodrich, you know. So Neil, um, I was getting pictures taken. I got pictures taken, but you know what? I wasn't. Uh, you know what? In the cl- in the click of things, I wasn't cool enough. So most of the pictures I got from those guys were given to me later. Like here, I found this slide of you. You know, my stuff never got used because really? no, because I mean, I you know, again, you had the affiliation with Thrasher and the whole Santa yeah, but Cruz I got mafia I got a lot of I got a lot of pictures of Trans World. Yeah, I, I mean, I got a couple. I mean, you know, I even but, got a uh, verbal lashing from Mofo one time in a contest. Put a sticker on it. I had a sticker yeah. on top with the Thrasher sticker, and he he got upset about it. And I said, "Can we talk about this privately?" Because I can him family at that point I said yeah. listen this is how I make a living I don't stop you from making a living do I come on JFK right he goes what I could this this is another avenue for me to make money this is how I make money yeah. by getting coverage so what you're saying is I want to I don't want you to do this because X Y and Z and I'm telling you I get what you're saying. I respect your saying, but at the same time, this is an avenue for me, and I'm going to go walk down both of them. You know, it's like freestyling BMX when people balked at that. I was like, "Oh, sure, Spike Jones, you want to come to my ramp and skate? I don't know who he is. Who's that dumb little kid?" I go, "No, he's cool. He's a good photographer." Andy Jenkins, those guys. I welcomed to my backyard. They were so happy because I was nice, and they're nice people. And no. you know, they uh, and I've always definitely believe it just just be nice to people well there's that yeah, but yeah. i also saw that there's value in what they're doing it's a different medium it says bmx free but guess what that picture that i get in there i'm getting x amount of dollars from three income streams for sure so you know, baby yeah totally and that, so my, that was my job was then. to get pictures yeah. and dk was oh yeah, that's right sorry dk was stoked and you know ray-ban whoever i was associated with santa cruz so, you know, um, what led to me getting a model the second time, I have no idea. 
I got called into Novak's office. He goes, come on in, sit down, shut the door. I was like, okay. So we want to give you a model. I was like, all right, I want a wheel. He goes, what? <laughs> I go, I want a wheel. He goes, no. I go, no, 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 no. I want a wheel. I know how I, while Kendall was standing on his hands doing street plants in the parking lot, I took a tour of Creative Urethane while Big Mac was with another guy in the, in the factory. And you saw the volume of shit they were doing there. Well, saw. He told, I go, so how many wheels do you make for, he thought I worked for Santa Cruz. He didn't think, he didn't know. I was like, oh, are you with, are you with NHS? I go, I am. Would you like to take a tour of the factory? I go, I would, that would be great. I didn't say, oh, I'm a skateboarder. You're making like 500,000 wheels. So he showed me the production, the sheets, numbers and everything. I, I go, so, um, per unit, how much does it cost? And I put all this in my mind. I wrote it down on a piece of paper. I go back to the hotel. I was like, Blackheart, man, the wheels are where it's at. Right? And so Novak's all, he's all, no. He was very adamant. And I go, look, I know, I know what the profit margin is, man. Come on. The wheel's where it's at. And I know how many you're moving. So I want a wheel. He goes, absolutely not. You're, man, you are the strangest person i ever met. I that just way, offered you a model. Novak, yeah, yeah. And he's all, and you, and you, and you flat else. out said no and you want a wheel. I go, it's because I know better. Come on, Jewish Novak. Come on, let's go. Come on. And he's just like, Absolutely not. You're getting a model. I said, all right, fine. Get a model. Yeah. Got it. And he's like, man, just like, you know, because <laughs> you know, it's just like, you would think most people jump out of their skin. Well, no, <clears throat> I, mean, I mean, sometimes but, there's little secrets that you don't know. Like, well, I, I, it's, I, knew, I knew the wheel was the way because the wheel, I saw the price markup. I saw what it is and I was like. And it was. That was, a, that was an era when there was less people making wheels. Uh, yeah, but they the, made hundreds of thousands of them. Oh, my God, and then, yes. And then it went like, so I literally started the tracker wheel program. In the yeah, I remember 80, you said that. Yeah. yeah. 80,000 wheels the first run. And then I did Acme, 18,000. I did PowerPoint. So a awesome. Few years ago, a few thousand. Right. There's just so many players now. There's, There's so a lot of players. Back players. then there wasn't that many. And yeah. I, I saw that the wheel was a great way to... Um, well, the boards are no different today because now nobody mm-hmm. sells more. Hardly anybody ever sells thousands of boards anymore. I mean, decks. Yeah, hundreds. What about how are those reissues? Well, some of them. Some are like the Andy Anderson's things like that. And then some of the reissues probably do. Okay, right. Andy Anderson's like the hot new thing. And that's oh, okay. Like, they might sell... A few thousand, but they're not selling ten. There's no, there's no. So you're saying the market's too zero numbers. Oh gosh, huh. okay. yeah. There used to be fifty pros. Now there's seven hundred people with models. Oh there used God. to be, you know, Why G NASA team that I rode for in whatever the '80s. We had twelve b- boards in the whole line. I, at my own Acme Skateboards company, had seventy skateboards in my catalog in the '90s. Were they all you models? Know, um, no, not all models, but still, at that by the time, then it was all it was all so watered down. It didn't really matter. Oh, I, see like, what you mean. I mean, guys, you went to Alien Workshop, and they had each guy had three models, and they had nine guys on their team. Why would they have three so, models? Because it didn't matter anymore. So they just made three different graphics and this oh. series and that series. And oh, it crap. no longer it no longer mattered. It wasn't a new release. It wasn't a. It's like the same thing about the you were talking about earlier the the concerts the thing that it's not special anymore. Oh gosh. we took the special right. away. No, so no. it's like so. What's the difference now? We just put your name on something. Well, also, I mean, to know. be fair, during that time that we were in getting models, the turnaround time was a little longer with silk screening and. You know, yeah. I mean, it wasn't exorbitantly long, but it's longer than it is now. No, but but truly, if you really get to the ball of it, there was less people, less models. That's true. More pure distribution. No, and it was like true. you went in yeah, bigger yeah. numbers. It's like you, you can't uh, you can't say if two hundred people, two hundred million people buy cars every year, and there's three car companies with ten models. Right. Are they going to sell more than if there's forty two car companies with six thousand models? Like, mm, but there's right. still only two two hundred million people that buy. You know, like yeah. it's just basically the same thing. So now everything. Um, 
unless you're a very rare glimpse of some random superstar well, that you you catch right. something. Well, isn't that know. across the board in cinema or film or movies, for sure. TV, because music? Now, because it's so accessible, and there's absolutely. so many avenues to HBO and Netflix and, and Hulu. Hulu, and we're exactly. So, I mean, let's so, go down the line. I mean, now we have TV Disney Plus, and Disney have, has most two of us channels. Never see, but they have a new threshold. There's 10 million people saw it. Okay, most of the world didn't know it exists because it's not. It's not like a Tuesday night comedy. On what prime movie of time the week we used to oh, call it movie of the okay, week movie of the that. week yeah um, yeah no it, it's it's yeah. and I mean, it, we release whole seasons at once or when you get on episodes are out you binge watch them they're done right I mean or, so yeah or when you get on different. Johnny Carson you've made it so well uh, obviously what skateboarding was ahead of that curve as far as blowing things out I mean it was oh, in the nineties they see the I, I was I was checked out I was yeah. in other areas no of that was that was the blowout area when every when every amateur returned pro right and then everything got that was still a great that, period so. to make a good grip of money in the music business though it didn't happen until like early 2000s that the well, digitizing stuff well that. what it is really it's not the, it's not the actual digitizing of music it's the legislation that surrounds those corporations that um, was going to be reversed by number 45 and they probably didn't like that but he was in the works of doing that but it's the legislation that goes around that uh, the corp, the music corporations did drop the ball because they let Steve Jobs take 30% off the top which they could have just said Come together, the big five, and go. No, no. way, yeah. you don't. You need us. We don't need you. Well, it's funny. I the same thing. I was the guy telling the big five in skateboarding. Oh, you told me that. Story. Don't do. Don't let Mountain Dew tell you what to do. So, you tell. You are the ones who have all the athletes. You tell them these are where the contests are going to be. They can sponsor it, right. but they sat back and fought with themselves uh, until they came in and took so over. So the and they same thing, sort so. of in a, in a very cursory manner, happened in the music business around. Um, you know. The digital platforms also with legislation uh, the laws that were set in place there was no there was no um, legislation set in place to hem these people in in a way where it was fair or even favorable to the creator or the artist around their intellectual property so now there's sort of this always you know I, I read the trade papers electronically and there's always this uphill battle to reverse a lot of that from you know if you know how the Federal Reserve works, fractional banking or fractional royalties, which is horrible. And what that means is that instead of getting paid, say, a full dollar or a dollar something for your spin on the radio or whatever, you get paid 0. 0.03 cents or 0. 0.003 cents. Yeah, I know it takes a lot of plays to make money. Well, I'm giving yeah. you the math. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can look it up. Um, different services pay different things and they take different percentages. But yeah, that's what really gutted that industry. And people I knew who, quote, had made it houses paid Porsches paid the kids in college paid you know they would joke and post a check like oh yeah I got a million something plays and my check is 3,789 cents when if that would have been before that would have been more like maybe 300 or 3 million you know depending on what era but you know it's it a lot well, of I've, I've you know, legislation you know, whatever you know you try to look at things and wonder like I, I predict there will be a time when like iTunes sells your song um, and that you're only going to get like a five-year license, and one day it's going to disappear from your phone, and you're going to have to pay for it again. That that I see is being oh yeah, that that's you know there's been a lot of talk about that in the business, and that's been fought a lot, you know, because that's just not going to 
fly. But yeah, that would no, suck. So you have to because so it, see it pushes a, you towards their subscription service. Well, it does. Yeah, I see things as being an, that's a natural progression of what they would try next. It's sort of like Not it's sort of like raising own. the gas prices, forcing people to get electric cars when actually the electric cars are a major landfill. It's not going to save anything. It's just going to fill the earth with more garbage and. Yeah, dangerous uh, chemical garbage. Well, yeah, I, I, on the property I used to live on, um, I lived with a retired engineer who did hydropower, electric power, wind power, and he talked about battery storage and the problem with electric cars and, you know, the actual energy it takes to make them and how it's a landfill item because they haven't thought about it in a 360-degree way. One of his things that he wanted to do, and I don't know if he ever pursued it because he was so afraid of being burned again, um, he had uh, solar panels that he could print into the paint, like 3D printing, into the paint of the car. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine that? The whole car is wrapped in solar panels. He said the toughest thing with that, though, is now he has to create a battery that almost has like a Tesla loop coil in it, so it has an infinite life, but then, you know... So reach self-recharging. Yeah. Yes, and not a landfill item that is renewable, but, of course, the major corporations go for it because they always like... Mal- they like um, Built-in obsolescence because they want to return customer. He for understands sure. those for kind sure. of things. Yeah. So it's like uh, I saw a, bo- a kid with a board that looked pretty new and it had a crack through it. And I go, "Where'd you buy the board from?" Oh well, it's a. I think it was a Powell Mini logo. And I go, "Where was it made?" It was in China. I go, "Oh yeah, you can't do that." <laughs> but he—that's all he could afford, right? But he—he he did like a 180 flip off a ledge or something and just went. <laughs> Well, the China boards got better looking and better um, yeah, but, appearance-wise. They were microwave cooking them. Oh, cure, God, that's so glue. bad for them. Well, it takes all the heat. It takes all the moisture out of the wood, makes right. them very light, and they feel all crisp. But, but they're they snap, very rigid. They like matchsticks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they, don't, they don't crack. I mean, how many times have we cracked a skateboard and you keep riding it? I've cracked never it. cracked a board. Yeah, I have. I've only broken a couple, but I've cracked a couple because I've always been don't fairly it. good at understanding yeah. like where to land. But, um, but when I've... Uh, uh, I've seen a lot of those boards. Little guys land the tail on the board. I, I have a board cracking stick. story. Yeah. So we were at Lance's going off. You ever been to his house where you know he lives at the top of Grandview with yeah. his parents? Yeah. So we had a launch ramp. We'd go down the thing and fly down the thing like like alpine skiing. You know what I mean? It was gnarly. So it was me, Lance, Gross, everybody, all Ross Cop. Rob was pissed. He didn't make a trick, so he got mad and he stomped his foot. But he thought it was his board. He broke my board. Oh. I'm, all, I'm all, dude. He goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I go, here, I'll put another one for you to get Because we used to have decks in the back. I'm man, that's incredible. I thought it was mine. I said, like, no, it's my board. You broke my board. So the barn got down there. And <laughs> he broke Because he got mad. He just went, you know, just rah, rammed his foot into it. And I was like, that's the only, that's only board I ever cracked was somebody cracked my board. board. Yeah. I'm, I've broken a couple, not too many. Um, I never have. That's you know, the only I weigh, time I... I weigh a lot more than you too. You do, yeah. Size thirteen feet, and I weigh more. And my yeah. board's not that much bigger, and so I have many pictures of me doing a disaster and watching the board like fold, noodling, like literally noodling. But usually, I knew how to push it just far enough to let it go. Oh, but I mean, you literally can watch a board, you know, like a uh, looks like a, a never, bow and arrow. Never broke a back. board. I, I, I don't even on lawn tramps. I never did. But yeah, Rob is the only person who broke my board. With so we could probably talk forever. Yes. But, uh, um, you know, we we people probably will only listen to you know ten minutes, forty five minutes of a podcast. We're gotcha. Like, we're like an hour and a half in. So, 
Um, let's talk about uh, you know uh, your album coming out. Let's just finish out. Let's finish okay. out. Like we want people to go. Where can people go check it out? Um, How will you be offering these like limited edition vinyls and things like that? Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, I have an Instagram page, uh, the Gentle Orchestra. There is a link in the bio to Linktree, which will take you either to Bandcamp, CD Baby, or iTunes. I also have a Facebook page. And my Spidey seventy five page on Instagram, which will have the links to the Gentle Orchestra, and you can either buy the vinyl or you can buy it digitally. And that's kind of it for now. And I, right now, like if they go to the Linktree thing, they can listen to the. the they can song listen to the, they can listen single. to the single. They can yeah. uh, uh, check out the video. There is a clip of the second track of the song on my Instagram uh, site. Uh, a friend of mine who is the saxophonist, he. Uh, got an advanced copy of the vinyl and was playing it and did a nice little posting so you can do that I will be at the Elgato Classic if you want to buy vinyl or even compact discs I'm probably getting some t-shirts made just for the event not a lot just cool. That's awesome. like 50 shirts and I'll be sharing a booth with Salva we decided to share a booth together because it's more uh, economically feasible for both of us to share a booth no, that makes I don't sense. need a lot of space Sal- Salva's art keeps getting better and better yeah well he, you know he does well I, I at these like events fun. What's th- that? He does well at these events. I think he. No. I, I've seen him at uh, the Pink Motel things like that. Yeah. He yeah. He, does, he, does, he right. does well at the events. So Good he and I and talked, and he goes, "Why don't we just share a booth?" I was like, "Yeah, I'll do it with you." Actually, I print stickers for him. I'm gonna have to like do him some trade out here. Oh, yeah, I, need, I need a piece of. I need to solve a piece of. Uh, right. Art um, here. And yes, we will get the gentle orchestra stickers yeah, no, done no, no, for no. that'll be um, that. That'll synonymity and time for yeah, your um, okay. opening party. That's all. These things are. They happen. Yeah. It's usually two days before when I'm yelling at the guys next door, like, hey, print those now. I need them. But uh, um, to that end, if you want to bring Beth, bring her. We'll, and, and we'll see how that, uh, I mean, just like I said, there's a, it's a whole weekend issue. I may not be here. But if I am. Oh, that's I right. Like, yeah. That's so right. We'll see, we'll see how that plays. I'm waiting for 100% confirmation. Right. No, that's right. Um, well, you know, that's nice so. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I, you know. Yeah. Um, you know. And this. Uh, so I I'm hope still, I so hope you like the record. Um, There's a lot to, a lot of time went into it, <laughs> but that doesn't mean anything. It's um, it's it's a great record. It, I will say this: I'm very confident in the album in the sense that um, it exceeded my expectations. It was one hell of a ride to make it, and uh, I feel that the work I produce is on par with some of the people that I admire. So I'm very happy about that. Well, I'm I, I'm looking forward to listening to the whole thing. I've, yeah, uh, but I've there's tidbits, you know, tidbits. Um, yes, uh, I, I <laughs> no, I even have involvement uh, in there in a, in a yeah. song that was inspired by a poem I wrote. It's and, correct. Uh, we, the title, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I mean, it, uh, there's, there's yeah. a bit of a story behind that. You asked me how difficult it is to write a song. I said, well, let me see some of your poetry. <laughs> so I go, okay, well, let's take the title, and then I started building chord structures and melody around it and just kind of add living lines and I actually once I wrote it's very special from your first live performance of the song ever the song yes which is awesome on a 12 string guitar at a party at a a private party yes Una Festa di Karen yeah yeah so um, that song is very interesting in the sense that the journey that it took was interesting once I finished it it's the, the tricky part in it was the drums to get it right there was we were using a drum machine and then drum machine and drummer and then there wasn't the right drum patterns and then we finally figured it out it finally locked into place once the drums were there we were home free it was great um, and of course uh, the 
very fine guitar player, my personal Jimmy Page. Michael Lockwood is playing the guitar solo on it. And, you know, as you know, he played with John Bryan, Amy to... Mann, and a number of other luminaries and so forth. But mm-hmm. I've known, I met actually Lockwood while I was skating. So, And Michael Lockwood competed against Stacey Peralta at the Freeformer thing in Long Beach. Wow, I didn't know that. He got awesome. 11th in slalom. <laughs> I didn't know that That's until he cool told me. Tidbit. It's a cool little tidbit. Yeah. That's awesome. Lockwood. I didn't, I didn't I, know. I, I can't wear it. wait to, um, you know, plug this thing in and listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So. Good. Um, all right. Well, I will, uh, you know, when we this is going live, I'll post some info. I'll help uh, promote yeah, let some me know. links to That'll that. That'll be great. And, you know, let people see. And uh, yeah. I appreciate you coming here. Yeah. You thanks know, for I, having we me. We probably could talk for four more hours because yeah. we didn't even touch half the subjects we could talk about. No. And we no. have, uh, Spidey no. and I have spent a lot of time in the last, uh, I don't know, six, seven years uh, surfing, skating. Yeah, all of know, it. Traveling around, uh, riding all the desert it. skate ranch and the oh, I love that tracks place. and uh is he, selling, is he selling that place? Uh, I, I've seen something where he's kind of tossed it out there. I don't know. I would like to get back out there. I miss I, that place. Is amazing. You know what might be cool is when we go to the Elgato, maybe. Possibly. A little, it's, a little uh, side trip. November, yeah, it'll start cooling down. It'll this, cool. this time of year is probably not the time to go out there. No, my friend um, is actually in Pioneer Town right now selling a property. Can you believe that properties go for half a mil out there now? I don't anything anymore. It is insane. You used to be able to buy a house at, out there for 50K. Well, we looked at a rental property the other day um, just in a normal neighborhood that we would have thought would have rented for 2500 to 3000 a few years ago. And we saw a sign for a property listed, and it was it was listed for like a, probably a three bedroom condo, say oh, okay. in Newport. Uh, it was listed. And it's not like we're not talking waterfront. We're talking interior. Yeah, condos yeah, 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 the City yeah. of, um, and it was listed for ninety five hundred dollars. And we thought this you is can in, rent a we, house in Laguna for and that. We walked by a neighbor walking a dog, and she was like, "Man, we're just looking. We can't believe they said that was running for ninety five hundred. She points across the street. She goes, "Well, they're paying ten thousand a month right there." Ten thousand dollars a month for a three-bedroom condo in in a normal neighborhood. Where do not, they, ha- they have like a meth that. lab in the back? I mean, well, I don't know, but I was like, going, oh Jesus! Like, where do yeah, you? Yeah, but how you, do you can rent that? a home for that price in Laguna so, Beach. Um, so, for you guys listening in places like you know Michigan and Iowa, and oh, yeah. you know, I do have three listeners in four countries. I, I do I tout that very. Uh, oh really? It's, it's my it's my bag. We've identified two of them. We still don't know who the third listener is or or how he straddles oh, two okay. countries, but. Uh, um, for those those other two listeners that live in Iowa and Ohio and still can afford a house, yeah, um, yeah, try coming to California. It's not very affordable. Uh, yeah, uh, but it's a beautiful place. It is. So, I like. I, it's my home. It's yeah, where I live. It's my home as well. Well, I thank you for for, uh, for joining me, Thanks. and uh, we hope you all enjoy it. Thanks. And look forward to the next time we get out to go play. This week's episode was presented by Bet Online. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.